0: see Chicago's Game Day only on ESPN 1000 at ESPNChicago.com.
1: He was going the right way! Cohen all the
2: way! Touchdown, Chicago! Levine, well, he, he goes right. Oh! Stop it, Samson! Did you not get the memo? He ain't wow. came for the massage, he came for the facial! Oh my goodness!
0: Chicago's Game Day.
3: God sales Hanson, scores!
4: Sucks in! What a comeback!
0: escapes again, and he's got plenty of room to run. Look at him go! And there's the athleticism for the rookie. Back toward the wall! It's gone! This is Chicago's Game Day, only on ESPN 1000 and ESPNChicago.com.
5: Good morning, welcome on in, Fred Hubner fortunate enough to join Chris Black and Adam Abdallah on their four-hour Sunday morning adventure. It's nice to have our little friend back, isn't it, Chris? Yeah, absolutely.
6: And uh, last <laughs> week, you you missed uh, our little friend, Adam Abdallah. And, uh, now you guys he's had sitting... a nice time. Yeah, we did have a nice... <laughs> we, it was actually a very nice time. We didn't yell at each other. We didn't fight about anything. But now we have you here with your well, bruised I, banana. Listen, no. I mean, we look, only look have, at that thing. I
7: have... am so... Has this ever happened to you before? Not, not, int, well, yeah we intros the show Fred Huebner, Chris Black, Adam of Dallas Game Day bears. Bears. We have we have stuff. Bruised. we'll tell you about who we have yeah, bears, we Cubs, why whatever. is that banana so okay, bruised so here's what happened I went to Starbucks and I got a banana which is a bad which is a big mistake on my part because it's a like, good, like a buck and a half it, it's a dollar yeah. for a banana when they're like two for a dollar across the street but Walgreens isn't open till eight we're on the air at eight never mind so they put I ordered it in advance as I'm walking from my car that I parked down the street here Paul you called ahead to order the banana no, no <laughs> you put it on the you do it on the app I got a coffee I get got a my yogurt, order ready and i hey, got a Starbucks. so they put my name do you know who this is on the banana and they put a little sticker on it right yeah. and it's got your name on it for when you go and pick up your order from the area they put a sticker on the banana yeah they put your name like like they do for your coffee okay so i get it and it's it's the top is very bruised and i'm like well i don't want this banana so i take the sticker off I put it and a different i crumble banana. up the sticker so they don't and then i go back to the pile of bananas and i found another banana this was the least bruised banana wow. out of that's the that's a pile. very bruised banana it's all like the, don't just say sir i'm sorry as a standard we cannot sell you this banana Like I would have just been like, Okay, fine, I don't need the banana, give me my money back. You've not taken it. Did you
5: know sometimes
7: when you see a bruise for it?
5: Sometimes when you see a bruise like that you open it up and it's not Bruised. Oh no! This is mushy. It just, like, you can, feel, tell. can, you can see it. that's going to okay, mush. Well,
7: I can feel it. This no, is a, uh, but, be... so. I chose the biggest banana because I feel like I'm just gonna. I'm not going to eat that no, little eat section. It. that's bruised. Well, you gotta eat
5: the mushy part. No, that's gross. Well, but you It's still what?
7: banana, right? They, they
5: actually say if, you're, if, if you've ever had banana bread, they yeah. say the best banana bread. Oh yes, is, 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 right. yeah, it's overripe bananas. Overripe bananas. Yeah, yeah. So smash it a little. When
7: Chris and I lived together, and I had an overripe banana. You're damn right that I was going into some, some banana bread. I made a mean banana did bread. You? Yeah. Oh, yeah.
5: How's it working smoothies? Because I've used them in smoothies, too. You're going uh, to grind I'm them up them anyway. in I
6: put them in milkshakes.
7: Okay. Same thing. When I worked at the Dairy Queen.
6: Little oh, okay. known fact, Fred. Did you know that uh, Abdallah Bix didn't is he a, worked a at Dairy a, Queen a, either? He's a pretty, oh, for uh, years.
1: accomplished
5: baker. This is what he does in his spare time is he bakes things. I prefer bakest. Okay. My, my two... My two sister-in-laws worked at, uh, when I was dating my wife-to-be, Pat, they worked at Dairy Queen, and they always would make me the best peanut butter and chocolate shake in the world. Oh, yeah. That's good at, stuff. At Dairy Queen.
7: I can't go to Dairy Queen now because I get mad at, like, I can't make my own stuff. Yeah. So I'm like, no, you, ah, they made it wrong. So I just always complain about when I go to Dairy Queen. Nobody else would know that I was actually incorrect in what I just said. They worked
5: at 31 Flavors. They did not work at Dairy oh,
7: Queen. Oh, But okay. I could have just let that go. And yeah, yeah, you could have. Yeah, uh, We're about yeah. being honest. About being yeah. honest Dairy Queen is peanut butter chocolate shakes. Just yeah. we, we just started a, a show little. talking
6: about Abdallah Baking, so, you know, I mean. Abdallah Baking and his bruised banana. It's wake and bake. It's fine.
5: We got Jesse. <laughs> we got Jesse Rogers on at 930. He's got a great article today. I, yeah. I got some stuff highlighted. We'll get to that. Jessica Mendoza hopefully will join us today. Uh, 10 o'clock, uh, Mike Tanier at 1010 from Bleacher Report talking about football as it's been played since Thursday night. Um, also, we've got uh, my MLB notebook. i gotta, I got to ask you guys about a guy that used to play in the uh, major leagues and not playing anymore, but he had something to say about Major League Baseball and the way it's played right now. Uh-oh. Adam Amin, our buddy, will join us around 11 o'clock. And from what I understand, if he wakes up, he will walk on into the studio.
7: I was assured yesterday when he left the bar at midnight that, <laughs> that he won't he, walk in. That he would be waking up and walking in. Okay. He would be. Yeah,
5: he told us, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so, and Summer of Nick at 1130, 30. Uh, Nick Friedel, we'll ask him some questions. I saw his picture plastered all over Twitter last night. He was in the play pen
7: yesterday. Yeah,
5: he, looked, wow. he looked a little bizarre. Uh, yesterday. It was a, a a bad game for the Cubs. Just just an awful game. They they waited till three o'clock to have an awful game. John Lester, um, he went three and two thirds innings, gave up ten hits, nine runs, eight of them were earned, three home runs. His third consecutive defeat, his last eight starts, he's two and three with an 801 ERA and uh, the Nationals beat the Cubs nine to four. Um, and tonight's not going to be any easier. You got Scherzer 15 and five going against Cole Hamels, making his first, uh, Cubs start at Wrigley Field. So that's going to be a fun night and a game on ESPN. But, uh, the Cubs just not, not really hitting the ball, not doing a lot of things in Jesse's article. And we'll get to it. But the, the best quote I've got from Joe Madden here is, we have to pitch better and be more consistent at the plate. Well, basically, that's, that's, so that's the to, game of baseball. You have to play better. Right. Yeah. You have to play the game of baseball better. And uh, that's not what they're doing right now. Even though you look at them and they still do have the best record, I think, in the National League. They do. But I didn't realize this. They are 60, They have 67 wins. Milwaukee has 67 wins. Philadelphia has 65 Arizona and the Dodgers both have sixty-four. Atlanta was sixty-three, and Colorado sixty-two. The National League is about as close as you can get for a um, for a league overall. You know, I, I guess it stands out a little bit more because Boston has eighty-four wins, Houston seventy-three, and, and the Yankees seventy-three in the American League. But the National League has three-five. They have eight teams that are within what. Five wins of each other, six wins of each other. That's pretty amazing. And uh, it's going to come down to some, you know, they've got, you guys broke down their schedule. They've got a real tough stretch coming up. Where they don't have a day off? Would you say no rest for a month? There's way
7: of one day of rest. They get oh, okay. one nap. They get one nap on the 20th of August. Yeah. Well,
6: well, Frey, if you take a look at the schedule, it's tough because if you look at the wild card standings in the National League, there are six teams who are still in it fighting yeah. for the wild card. The Nationals are four and a half games back. Then you have the Pirates at four games back. The Rockies at two and a half. The St. Louis Cardinals are only two and a half games back of the wild card. Yep. You know... Um, I sit here during the week with Cap and Jordan and Pat Boyle, and Cap keeps telling us, oh, the Cardinals are done. Don't worry about that. Relax. The, the series done. against the Cardinals are going to matter because this team's fighting for the wild card. The I know series, that they're, they're probably not going to win the division, but the Cardinals are still in contention. The Dodgers are a game back of the wild card. The Diamondbacks a game back of the wild card. So it's, Look, it, it's interesting because, there are a, a lot. A of, like Fred said, there are a lot of teams in the National League towards this stretch
7: here who are all fighting for something. The division could be tied on Wednesday night. If the Cubs, if the Cubs and the Brewers do the same thing today, whether it be win or lose, and the and you've got Quintana and Hendricks going against the Brewers, and the Brewers win both those games, the division is tied. Because they're only two games up right now. It's only a two-game series. So it's early, relax, all that kind of stuff. No, this team... There's no more relaxing. Look, it's not even that. It's that even if this team makes the playoffs, and that's the goal because they put all of this... all Theo and Jed, they put all this effort. This is the window. This is the championship window. We've talked about it at length, about how this is the Cubs' time. So... Does it matter if you get into the playoffs and you lose in the first round because you don't have any pitching? Does it matter if you argue, yeah, it are? Are you the? Bra- it matters.
6: You got to make the playoffs.
7: But, but... that's what, but that's what I'm saying. Like, are, are is this going to be? I know the Braves didn't win, but it, is this going to be the Braves? Like, are they going to just going to make it and you know and not win? Not win every year? Well, they have. I mean, they have. The
5: organization has gone out and gotten starters. The problem is the starters they've gotten have not. But they're you know, not good at. They're, well, it. they're not good at going out and getting starters. Since last year, they've picked up five starters. They picked up Cantana, Darvish, and Chatwood, and then they picked up Hamels, and uh, they picked up. Why am I? Why am I forgetting the other guy? They have one more guy they picked up. So they've got five starters they've picked up in the last year. And uh, Hendricks is pitching okay. He gave up a run in the first, a run in the second. Then pitched really well yesterday. You know, two days ago. After that, and the Cubs didn't get a hit until the sixth inning when the bases were loaded and mm-hmm. you know Jason Hayward got a hit they're just they're not hitting the ball a lot they're not making the contact they're looking for and they're not hitting many homers either Uh, And we've talked about that all season long. They're a team that hasn't, that we're more of a home run hitting team and they're not doing that this year. Obviously, one of the big factors is not having Chris Bryant hitting home runs. Bryant's apparently about ready to hit off the tee. And, you know, I guess that's a good thing. The question is, what's he going to be like when he comes back? Right. Is he going to be like the Chris Bryant was when he left? The guy that's the singles hitter and not a home run hitter. And if that's the case, you know, is he going to be able to field better than David Bode? David Bode made a play yesterday on a bunt where he got the guy. He made it look easy. It was an amazing play. They've got to keep this guy in the lineup somewhere. And... Um, for, for me, they could always sit Addison Russell anytime time they'd like.
6: Well, you could also do something where if Chris Bryant comes back, you put him in left field, right? You could. And then you play Bodie at third, and yeah. you play Chris Bryant in the outfield, and Kyle Schwarber gets a rest and a break because he hasn't been performing the way you thought he would be after mm-hmm. the start he had. So, And I agree with you, Fred. Uh, I think we've talked about this now for many weeks that I don't think any of us see Addison Russell as a piece that needs to be here for the long term. No. I mean, he's really good defensively, but the
5: numbers offensively have not matched what we all thought he would be. And that's why when people are looking, you know, and it came up a little bit, and I there were rumors on Twitter somewhere that uh, Chris Bryant had a, had a, a dinner partner last night hmm. and Bryce Harper.
7: Hmm. Um, but those I are mean, just rumors. A rumor. That, listen, well,
5: can't can't guys get dinner? No, no, no. What I'm saying is that uh, you know yeah. that comes up anytime Bryce Harper's name sure. comes up. And if I'm a Cub fan, Brett, did you I, know
6: his dog is named Wrigley? His
5: dog yeah. is yeah. named Wrigley. Did yeah. you know
6: they have family game night together, the Harpers and the Bryce? They play Uno together. I did okay. know that. Just making sure we covered everything with the but, Bryce Harper rumor mill before we get back to your thoughts. But
5: if you're a Cub fan, wouldn't you rather have a guy? Wouldn't you rather spend all your money and go after a Manny Machado yes. as, as opposed to a Bryce Harper? Yes. Absolutely. I mean, you know, I don't care how much your uh, your uh. third base. Basement. Why not both? Well, that's why. Why not? But I think you gotta have some money to spend on pitching. What's the problem with
6: this team going into the final no. stretch here? Score thirty
5: runs a game. You don't need pitching. They gotta. Tra- they're gonna have to trade some pitching because all the guys they've picked up have have deals still. For next for the next couple mm-hmm. years, yeah. Chad Wood for two more years, Darvish for five more years, Cole Hamels next year. They can buy him out if they want to, but you know if they if they need pitching, they may want to keep them. And then Lester and Hendricks are going to be here. So oh, Montgomery was a guy I forgot about. They didn't pick him up, but he's a he's a guy that's coming out of the bullpen now. So th- it's going to be really interesting. They've got like you guys talked about. I mean, it's it's the big series tonight. They finishing up this one, and then the, a day off before the Milwaukee series. Now Milwaukee. Got a win last night over in Atlanta after getting blown out the night before. And, you know, I think a lot of Cub fans and I, people were sending me messages circled, you know, up three games. That would have been great if it would have then gone to four and then five. But if right. it didn't, it went back to two. Mm-hmm. And the Brewers aren't going anywhere yet. And the Cubs are going to have to beat them when they face each other. I think it's eight more times they play each other. I think something like that. And uh, so we'll talk about it. But I know they played twice this week. Um, and I think there's two more, uh, a three game, a three game or a three game, yeah, right, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So they, yeah, they play each eight other games. eight more times. Mm-hmm. So those are going to be huge games. And um, you know, they're- well, Fred, that
6: stretch uh, where they play the two three game sets with the uh, Brewers are between a Philly series, a three game set. So then you face the Brewers, then you have a four game set against the Nationals. And then the Brewers again. So I mean, that's everybody. That a really tough
5: two weeks. right It there. is because they're all the Nationals will be fighting for their lives. Philadelphia yep. is fighting for the NL East. So it's not going to be easy. Three one two three three two three seven seven six. Also in Jesse's article, and we'll talk with him bottom of the hour. Says the Cubs need to weather the ups and downs. And Rizzo said, "It's never a good time to ride a roller coaster. I get motion sickness anyway."
6: I like that. So I
5: do, too. It's a good quote.
6: And, good and quote. I agree with him because that's what it seems like this season has been. But the, the, the highs have not been as high as they no. were in the past. No. Nope. The lows haven't been terrible because, obviously, you're a first-place team. For most of the season, you've been the number one team in run differential in the National League. You're not anymore. The Dodgers are now. But I think the one thing to kind of take away from all this is Jesse points out since the All-Star break, they're 12-11. We all thought that this team would click after the All-Star break and go on this run. Now, it's not that they can't do it. We just ran through the schedule that's coming. But the thing that kind of needs to be pointed out is it's no longer early and they
5: have to go on that run if we're ever going to say that this is going to be a championship-level ball club this season. Well, and how many times have we hear in the first half of the season? We all know what Madden's team is doing August. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And don't worry about it because when August rolls around, they'll all be well rested. And they're six and four in August. They're twelve and eleven. Like you mentioned, since the break, that's not where they expected to be. And um, they they need to be better. They need to be better quick. And I'm not sure exactly where it's going to come from, you know, because it's not like it's not like one guy slumping. No. As a, as hitters, they're all just not getting the job done right now no not I think it's fine far- consistently going out there hitting the ball
7: I think as far as pitching goes we can ask Jesse when he joins us in about uh, thirteen minutes here uh whether or not they should have skipped John Lester in the rotation yesterday because that was an option going in and he looked like a guy who was just who didn't have anything yesterday he looked like a guy that could have used a, de- uh, a, a, a his well, turn skipped well, the, in the rotation. The strike
6: zone wasn't to his liking, right? Okay. And that's not going to ever work for him because he's a guy that lives on the corners and he's precise with where he's placing the ball. And like we we mentioned last hour, Fred, uh, the velo is still up right. for John Lester, so it's not like he seems <laughs> as if he he is laboring out there. He's just not getting the spots. And then, and, and a guy like John Lester, when he's not getting the spots. Uh, I think that really affects the way the rest of the game goes because he's not a guy that's just going to blow everyone away Mm -hmm. with his stuff and just get, you know, 15 strikeouts in in an evening, you know, it's so it's it's tough. I think the, the bigger problem is the fact that now six of seven starts, the Cubs haven't been competitive
5: in his starts. Since July first, that's a major issue because he's your ace. Yeah, he is your ace, and you, what you said is something that um, Jim Deshaies commented on during the game. He said, uh, "You know, I would think that Joe Madden might make a, find a way to skip one of the upcoming starts for John Lester, just give him some time off." Now, you know, Lester is the as the veteran guy; he doesn't want that. No, he wants to get back out there right away, and he did even on the, the before Zimmerman hit his first homer of the game yesterday. He Lester thought he had him. Yeah. Now the pitch was actually a ball. I thought he had him on an earlier pitch in the at bat, but on the pitch that they called for ball three, it was outside. Lester didn't think so. He was not happy about that. You saw him barking. He wasn't yelling at the ump. It looked like he was. I couldn't tell if he was yelling at himself or just just in general. But it was a rough one for them to lose yesterday. They really didn't have much, and they made it exciting. And one thing you got to say for Cub fans, they don't leave Wrigley Field. It was like 9-2, to two, and then they got a couple of runs in the last inning and made it 9-4, to four, but they were all still there, it seemed. Maybe they realized the bars are going to be there when they get out, no matter when they leave, so there's yeah, no the, hurry to get the out. The bars, the traffic, it'll all be there. You might as well just sit and yeah, wait. Yeah, sit and relax and enjoy yourself. It's going to be a long Saturday night, and that's what it was last night. Now, tonight's going to be a fun one. I'm, I'm eager to see what Cole Hamels does at home. I'm eager to see what he does against a good team. He has pitched really well in his last two games, granted they weren't against the best teams in major League Baseball, but it's nice to see him uh, and, and the nationals aren't the best team in base. they're third in their division, but they have some great hitters and these these guys are back. um you saw you, you know Murphy is a guy that just continues to hit the Cubs. he does it all the time always yeah and um the you darvish news he's scheduled to throw live batting practice um before Tuesday's game against Milwaukee. I was wondering if he was going to be throwing Milwaukee live batting practice. That would be nice. Here you go, guys. I'm just going to flip some to you. Uh, but anyway, um, he'll be doing that. We'll see if and when he'll be ready to to go at it. Um, it's it's interesting because on a day-to-day basis, I don't even know that Cub fans have gotten a, a run nice enough to get super excited. I think they're all on edge right now. Well,
6: and, and Fred, uh, okay, so if we skip John
5: Lester for start,
6: it, Go back to the conversation we were having ten minutes ago. We just went through the schedule. We went through how all these games are going to matter. We have all these games against the Brewers coming up right. that will determine the division. When are you skipping this start to get Lester the rest? But it and would have been yesterday. It would have been yesterday. But what I'm like, I'm trying to figure out. You need you Darvish to some at some point come back and help. Yes, you do. And if he does, what is he going to give you? Cole Hamills has been nice so far. But earlier in this season, he wasn't that great. That's why he was available via trade. You know, like mm-hmm. it's—I feel like it, it's very flimsy right now because you are a good team. But couldn't you guys see a month from now sitting there and being like, "Well, the Cubs are three back. You know how how are they going to make up ground in the final couple weeks?"
7: Will the it, it, White Sox no, but, finally bury the Cubs? Well, it, Eli could, Jimenez it, and
5: Michael Kopech up to face the North I'm not
6: trying to be an alarmist, but no. it could really go either way yeah. from here on out. Well I, especially if you're skipping Lester starts, he comes back. You don't know what you're getting from him. It, it, it's interesting.
5: Well, you could you could skip him next against the Pirates. He pitched yesterday, okay, five days from now. I mean, because they have Monday off. Mm -hmm. They've got tonight's game, Monday off, then Tuesday, Wednesday, then they play the Pirates in four games. If you're going to skip them somewhere, skipping them against the Pirates probably be a good thing. You would think you can get a bullpen game or you can get a, you know, Montgomery-Chatwood start or something like that, a combined start. Then you have another day off before you face the Tigers, who are not – you know, a, a top team. The Reds come to town for four games, and then the Mets. That's where you got to make your hay, right? Against the Reds, who've been very tough on 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 the Cubs, actually, and then the Mets, who you know, yeah. Tigers, Reds, Mets, back to back to back. You yeah. got to win, okay? So <laughs> well, you that's have, what we what? talked about. Think about it. That's what we talked you about. Have nine games there. You got to win seven, right? Well, that's mm-hmm. what we talked about with the Padres and the and the Royals. Yeah. You had seven games, and everybody said you, you should go at least five and two. Well, they went four and three. Right, they didn't win. They didn't go five and two. And the Padres have been beating everybody. The Padres have been continuing to do it. They went and they then beat Milwaukee, and uh, they've they've been winning games. So this is going to be fun. And this is why this is what makes baseball fun. I know I know we've talked a lot over the last year about you know too many games and all this kind of stuff. This makes it interesting because this amount of games allows a lot of teams to have a chance and. You know, there's a lot of different things that can happen. It's going to come down to the last two weeks of the season for not only division winners, but also in the National League, but also wildcards.
7: And I think it's naive for Cubs fans to have their head in the sand about the struggles and what, could, what we've just been talking about. Are you what talking could, to Cap right what now? What could happen at the end doing? of the season? Are you no. talking to David Cap? I'm not talking are to Are you David calling Kaplan? out Cap this no, morning? No, I'm not at all. Because I'll play this audio <laughs> no, for you can Listen, and I'm going to say, no, I'm not calling him out. Okay, I'm calling sure. out Cubs fans that point to the record and point to the run differential and point to the two games up on the Brewers and say, well, nothing's wrong. We'll be fine because we're the Cubs and we'll be fine. I've always hated that run that's differential. Not, that's... It's not how it works. Yeah. There are glaring flaws on this team moving forward, not just this year, but flaws moving forward into next year like and the years after and how long you've got Darvish on contract for and how long you've got, and the fact that you can't find consist, consistent starting pitching. That's a flaw that this team didn't have when they won the World Series. Quickly, let's grab
5: uh, Michael and Roger Spark. Michael, what's going on? Oh, uh, uh, nothing, much. I'm just thinking that,
3: that uh, I think when the schedule gets tougher, I don't see this team competing when the t- schedule gets tougher. And they said Washington three games uh, in third place, but they got some stars on that team. And you can see Murphy, he's, Murphy's a, he's a, he's, he's, he's an all-star, in my opinion, the way that guy can hit. Uh, so I don't think there's going to be one of them walks unless you play, like I said, they, they're fortunate to play San Diego and Kansas City, and they still came out only four and three against, uh, against those two teams, and they barely won two games against San Diego. So I'm just thinking... Once the schedule starts toughening up, you might be in danger of a wild card uh, 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 going away from you, too. Because there's a lot of teams that bust up that's like 11, 12 games or or over 500 that's going to end up the same way. You could be battling for
5: a wild card. It's awesome. yeah, Michael. There's no doubt about it. And the thing is, I'm looking at their schedule going forwards. I know you guys broke it down: 11 mm-hmm. straight games away from Wrigley Field when they play the Phillies, the Brewers, and the Nationals. Four games in D.C. against the Nationals, and then they come home to play the Brewers. It's gonna be fu- it's gonna be fun in September to find out. You know, to see them battle. If they get to where they want to go, they're gonna to have to play well and turn it up sometime. All
6: season we've heard that the Brewers have a harder schedule than the Cubs do, and all season. We've seen the Cubs' uh, strength of schedule kind of come back to the Brewers because now on Fangraphs today, the Cubs' strength of schedule is .492. The Brewers' is .499. So it's pretty close. It used to be a pretty big differential between the two where the Cubs had the easier strength of schedule going on. Pretty close from here on out. Now the Fangraphs does have the Cubs at 81% to win the division still, and that's updated as of today and the Brewers winning the wild card at 49%, but it'll be interesting.
5: Jesse Rogers joins us. We come back. Brooks Kepka Brooks makes that. Leads golf. the 100th PGA Championship by two shots over Adam Scott, John Rahm, Ricky Fowler, Gary Woodland are three shots off the pace, four back, a group of six golfers, including Tiger Woods. This PGA Championship update brought to you by the PGA Tour Superstore. A golf superstore so big you may want to caddy a PGA Tour Superstore has the largest selection of golf and tennis equipment and apparel you've ever seen don't miss the state of the art simulators indoor practice bays with video playback and huge putting green whether you're a master of the game or just starting out they're certified uh, custom fitters can custom fit you for the perfect gear to improve your game. The PGA Tour Superstore, two locations in Chicago to serve your golf and tennis needs. Downers Grove and Schomburg coming soon to Vernon Hills this fall. If you're a golfer and you are listening, 5th caller, 312-332-3776. You get a $100 gift card for the PGA Tour Superstore. 5th caller, 312-332-3776. Jesse, we come back here on ESPN 1000.
0: This is Chicago's Game Day. Ground ball toward right. Throw for a hit. That's number 1,000. And we'll send out more to third. Cubs dugout asking for the ball. Congratulations to Anthony Rizzo. Not a big opportunity
3: as well as the fans rise to... uh... Recognize Anthony reaching
0: 1,000 hits. This is Chicago's game day only on ESPN 1000 and ESPNChicago.com.
5: Highlights courtesy ABC7. The Cubs lose yesterday 9-4. to One of the only bright spots was Anthony Rizzo getting the 1,000th hit of his career. And uh John Lester, definitely not one of the highlights yesterday as uh, we talk some more Cubs baseball. You can go and look at the article, first place Cubs breaking even in the second half, not breaking away. That's from our guy Jesse Rogers, who joins us right now on ESPN 1000. Hey, Jess. Hey, good morning, guys. What's going on? Well, you know, we've all thought, and we were mentioning earlier, how many times in the first half of the season did we hear, well, we we all know what Joe's team's doing in August. what well, you know, the second half of the season, things yeah. will be fine. <laughs> uh, it hasn't worked out that way. I know it's still early in August, but uh, it hasn't worked out so far.
3: Well, I mean, they are 6-4, and four, so let's not go into panic mode. It's not like it's 4-6 and six or 3-7, and seven, but... Some of the things I pointed out in that article are disturbing. Their 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 run differential is a minus twenty two. That doesn't sound right for a team that's twelve and eleven since the All Star break, right? Maybe they, you know, you would think it'd be about even the run differential. Not that it matters how much you lose by, but over time, things like that can be telling. And that was the point of the article: is the glass half full at this moment, or is it half empty? Of course, it looks good. You're in first place with, uh, with a two game lead. But some of these outlying numbers are a little disturbing, and Joe agrees. In fact, Joe said, yeah, we're not hitting and we're not pitching. Well, that's the, pretty much everything yeah. about baseball. But he'll look at it uh, with the glass full, which he should. We're not hitting, we're not pitching, but we're still hanging in there. We're 6-4 and four in August. We're 12-11 and 11 since the break. We're in first place. Of course, you have to hope it turns around. It really, I'll tell you, the impetus of that article last night was watching John Lester. And how many people said, and I didn't really write a big article about this, but when he was going well, some of the peripherals didn't look good for John Lester. And a lot of the FanGraph type of people wrote, this could go south on him. Now, I tweeted some of that stuff out. I didn't write a full article on it because, frankly, I believed in John Lester. And he's one of the few guys that I don't think the peripherals tell the whole story with him. And it turns out I was kind of wrong. He has kind of gone south. So here's the same thing. If it goes south in the Cubs, here are the peripherals that will tell you so. 13th in pitching since the break. um, Run scoring is down. um, All these other things I, I, I told you about. Their luck factor, I write about in there, is um, is in their favor. It wasn't in the first half. They should be, and I say should in in quotes, air quotes, nine and fourteen, not twelve and eleven since the break. So what if that all catches up to them, like it has caught up to John Lester somewhat? That's what the what we're looking at here. So this is the time when you when you ex- examine that and simply hope Joe's right okay, this is, there's too much talent and experience. They are going to start hitting. They are going to start pitching. But if they don't, I don't think they can go six more weeks playing this way.
6: Let's go deeper into that, Jesse. You mentioned the luck factor in their record and what it could be and what it is right now. Uh, what does that mean and how did you determine what you've got with uh, what their record is and why they are lucky or unlucky?
3: Well, there's a thing called the Pythagorean, Pythagorean sort of luck factor. You can go to baseballreference.com and and, you know, it calculates a few different things, but run differential is part of it. And it's just this idea that you're squeaking by in some wins. Look at their wins since the All-Star break. A lot of one-run wins, which are good in a different way. That's good you're winning those. Squeaking by, but then you're also getting blown out in some other ones. And the Cubs were the team that used to do that. They'd blow people out and then lose a few one-run games. You'd rather have it that way. That that. Leads to, to, to better things happening over time. Like, because if you're going to lose some one run games in the first half, you'll win some in the second half, which they are doing. But to get blown out in those other ones, it, 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 the predictive models say that's not a good thing uh, for a lot of different reasons using up your pitching, and, you know, it just all sort of adds up. So if you go to baseball reference, last year, or in the first half, they were like a, a negative four in terms of the luck factor. Um, your phone's, someone's your been, phone's calling Jesse. Your someone's phone's calling ringing. you, <laughs> You got a phone call, Jesse? <laughs> no, no, no. That's, that, that's, that, trust me, that's just Theo yelling at me for, for <laughs> saying that they could. Yes! <laughs> <laughs> actually, I'm only half kidding. I mean, it's not Theo, but it could have been. Um, uh, Back in the to what you half, were saying about in, luck, yes. <laughs> in the first half, they were like a negative four. They could have been four. They were unlucky. They could have been four games better. The Seattle Mariners, remember their record in the first half was amazing? Yeah. They were the luckiest team in baseball by far. Look what's happening. It's caught up with them. They were like a plus a let. It was sick how lucky they were. Um, in fact, the Astros were one of the unluckiest teams in the first half, and they were in first place anyway. So it, it all boded, you know, sort of boded well for them. So the Cubs were like one of the second or third unluckiest teams. Now they're one of the luckiest teams in the second half. Like I said, they should be nine and fourteen based on a, you know sort of the numbers of games play out the way they're supposed to, but of course they don't. The games don't play out, so it, they could survive this way. It's no problem at all. The the thirteen pitch at bat by Rizzo, that's not luck. But it might be factored into luck because of what comes up after it—a four-pitch walk to Baez, a four-pitch walk to, to Zobrist—and you you win a game you probably shouldn't win, right? When you're getting no hit, but that's okay. That's all part of it. But can you sustain it? Can you sustain it? Um, and again, uh, these numbers are calculated by people smarter than me and by by. Uh, by formulas that, that, you know, you don't have to understand it. Just believe it. Yeah, they were they were unlucky in the first half. They're being lucky in the second half. And they do need to play better. The stats show you that. The coaches will tell you that. The manager will say that. But they're good enough to survive right now uh, based on a lot of it's the competition, too, and I certainly mentioned that in the article. Take the competition out. The Cubs are just mediocre right now. Put Put the competition in. Everyone's kind of mediocre right now. The Brewers can't get... Can't get uh, out of their own way, you know. What I mean, they're, they're they're fumbling all over the place. We know the Nats have issues, so luckily no one's running away with the NL. But I know Cub fans want to see their team play a little bit better.
7: Should they have skipped Lester's start yesterday? And since they didn't, when will they get him some rest?
3: Okay, I'm going to go with no. Now I'm going to try to explain this. I thought, you know, for a while that physically maybe he did need that. But after listening to him, and he is brutally honest, you have to understand that if you, if you think he's lying, then you're not going to believe anything I say. But physically, he says he's fine. The numbers say he's fine. In fact, his average fastball velocity is a tick higher in the second half so far than it was in the first. Um, so if the, if the velocity is the same, that's very telling when you, when you talk about health um, and, and even tiredness and all that stuff. You have to understand how Lester pitches, okay? He's not a Max Scherzer blow-you-away guy anymore, right? He's a field pitcher. And because of that, he's going to navigate in and out of trouble often. Um, A lot of times he uses the first inning. Uh, I mean, I've talked to David Ross and John Lester about this often. He'll use the first inning to, to sort of understand what the opponent is going to do. That's why he gives up some runs in the first, just simply based on that. Yesterday he figured out that they were going to be aggressive, and they were. It could have been like a six or seven pitch inning, and then it just sort of got away from him. And that's the point. There are moments that are getting away from him for no particular reason. Some of that has to do with some some luck. He's got to have a little bit more luck than maybe he did ten years ago. And combined with some bad pitches. Let me give you an extreme example when it comes to John Lester. Let's say he gives up three Blue pits on great pitches in an inning. Okay, this is an extreme example. Three in a row. And you have the bases loaded. Three times he could have made an out, right? But they they fell in. Then, and this is Ryan Zimmerman yesterday, then he makes the bad pitch, and it's hit for a grand slam. He almost had Zimmerman strike out, next pitch hit for a grand slam. So either one of two things has to happen. Those three bloops have to be outs, or one or two of them have to be, right? He has to get a little bit better luck, or he has to make the better pitch at the better time, which would have been the Zimmerman pitch. Neither of those things are happening for him, and so everything is going south. I think he's going to find it. I do. And it's not just waiting for luck. I think it's a combination of both, but certainly the more thing that he can control is the better pitch at the better time. So I don't think they're going to skip unless they find something that, you know, they didn't reveal yesterday. I think he's going to work through it and find it. I saw a calm John Lester. Now, remember, I wrote an article earlier, this guy gets angry, I'm sure he was at, at some point yesterday before he met the media, but I saw a guy that knows what he needs to do, and it's not even a huge mechanical fix. It's a little one when there's uh, you know, a, a crunch moment to be had, he's got to make that better pitch, get it inside his Zimmerman instead of over the plate, but I hope that makes sense. He's got two things that has to happen, a little bit more luck, but a better pitch at that moment. Um, and I believe him. I think that it will, it will come.
5: Jesse, one last thing before we let you go. We appreciate you jumping on. I know it's a night game tonight. Uh, and speaking of that, they picked up Cole Hamels, obviously, for the stretch run. He's pitched against two relatively not-so-good teams. Uh, he's pitching against a team that can hit tonight. How eager are you to see this one?
3: Definitely eager. Definitely eager. Now, I really thought Lester was going to find it yesterday because the Nats were 12-19 and 19 when a lefty starts against them. And there's been plenty of lefties that don't have Lester's resume that started against them. and right. certainly don't have Hamels. So now they're 13-19. and 19. i just like to think that the, the Nats can't win two games against lefties in a row. I mean, Harper and Soto are their big bats right now. And you got a guy like Hamels who should be able to tie them up the way he's pitched. So I'm definitely looking forward to it. Everyone in that room knows it's going to be Scherzer. Er, Hamels knows he's going to have to match Scherzer. I mean, this is... This is his first start at Wrigley this year. He's a 176 career ERA. I talked to him briefly. You know, they've been talking about that no-hitter in the locker room and joking about it because, you know, he had some luck there. Speaking of luck, uh, you know, uh, a couple balls late in the game, eighth and ninth inning were caught by the center fielder Herrera, and, uh, and one of them off of Brian, who ended the game. So, um But I think he's going to be good. I think Scherz is going to be good. I think it's going to come down to that execution at some point, whether it be early or late. Um, That's my feeling. Now, you never know. He had a 470 ERA. He's 34. He's going to have a bad game at some point. I just don't think it's going to be a night uh, tonight for several reasons that just stated. Starting with the Nationals have not been good against lefties, and they just have their good good game uh, uh, against the lefty for the week. Right? It should be should be back to normal for them. That's if you're talking as a Cub fan.
5: Jess, as we let you go, on, I'm sorry we forget we didn't yeah. ask you. We I, we figured that everything you told us yesterday about Chris Bryant was what was going to happen. We know he talked. Nothing really new from what yesterday. He's going to be able to swing off the tee. He still he's able to pick up a bat and swing a little bit now.
3: Yep, yep. I mean, it's almost like Darvish's very, very slow progression. He has he has a, uh, a T-progression, he called it right now. So they don't even have like a bull, uh, a batting practice, you know, date in the future. It's just okay. a T-progression, which tells me maybe 10 swings, then 20, what? then 30, then finally hitting a a live ball, you know, a live pitch ball. So, yes, I think him and Darvish are kind of on that same slow path where it's baby steps each and every day. And the other news about Darvish, he will throw a simulated game on Tuesday, so that's his next step. But, yes, he felt good, Chris Bryant did, um, and he's anxious to get back out there, and he has said all along he's 100% sure he will. It's so like I've been saying, guys, they've got one run in all these guys, one run, and they're waiting until they're completely healthy or as close to it as they can to put him back on the field, and then just cross your fingers and pray that run lasts through October.
0: Boy, I see
5: another book coming. Just based off of Cross
6: Your Fingers and Pray. <laughs> no, it's, I,
5: it's one run. On, no, no, no. One, one run, run. One run. Oh, run. Oh, one run. Yes, right. we appreciate
3: yes. it. Wait, wait. Cross Your Fingers and Pray is the White Sox rebuild story. Oh, Freddie, I'm sorry. Wow.
7: There you go. <laughs> wow, taking shots at ESPN Shy socks. I'm kidding. I love the the White Sox can't even Sox rebuild. rebuild. Thanks, I Jess. love what
3: they're doing for the record. I don't want to hear, oh, I
7: don't want to hear it. Get it, Jesse. Tweet at him. At ESPN yeah. shot Cubs. I'm blocking
3: all of you, especially you, Adam.
5: We'll talk Thanks. to you, Jess. Yeah, Jesse <laughs> Rogers, and he will be out at the ballpark tonight. It should be a good one. should be fun one way or another, as you'll have Scherzer going against Hamels. See how Hamels does in his first outing uh, at Wrigley Field for the Cubs, as opposed to against the Cubs. We will be hoping to talk to Jessica Mendoza next hour. Uh, a, a T progression? Are we gonna see Chris
6: Bryant before September? Nope. No, I no, don't think God, so. No. A T progression? Yeah. he'll take ten
5: swings and then maybe more. I, know. I don't think have we'll have you see ever him.
7: heard of that? You won't see him before the, the naps come in, like that now, that August uh t- so then oh, after man. September and then they're gonna have they have a break uh September thirteenth. That that September fourteenth I say. Wow is maybe when he comes yeah. back.
5: That's and and that's I mean just right. might be yeah.
7: optimistic.
6: You better still be tied or like within a game of the Brewers at that point to
5: make your one run because, okay. Danny, all right.
7: It's going to be a great book.
5: Come on. We've only got Adam for another 15 minutes. So we got to come back and talk Believing. to because Man Kentucky. City's going to play. How, yeah. about,
6: how about Man U getting a victory on Friday? How about yeah. that,
5: Abdullah? How, how about, about that? Move Pogba scored right yeah. off the bat.
6: A Little argument over who's going to take the PK, but that's okay. Mourinho, Mourinho
5: factor. We'll Mourinho makes Pogba captain. That was surprising. Yeah, to and, and, then right. the PK, <laughs> and then he argues about who's going to take the PK, and then he has statements place. after. It's all right. And then he says, "I'm Here the captain. Go. Go. I'm taking the yeah. PK. I'm the captain now. Come on." And in Liverpool, a 4-0 win earlier today. So we'll come back. We will actually talk baseball and football. we got Mike Tenere from uh, Bleacher Report coming up. I know that uh, a lot of people are talking about quarterbacks and preseason oh, play. Oh, Sam Darnold, baby. No one's talking about Mitchell
0: Trubisky. We will. Right here on ESPN 1000. Sad. This is Chicago's Game Day. Only on ESPN 1000 at ESPNChicago.com. Ready now, ready
5: now. Welcome back in... We're going to talk some football with Mike Tanier of Bleacher right. Reports. 10 o'clock. Also, uh, Jessica Mendoza hoping to join us around ten fifteen ish And she'll be doing the game along with Matt Vasgersian and A-Rod. You th- should we ask Jessica about the firestorm they started a few weeks ago? I wonder if he's going to have to address it. Yeah, and it
6: will. Yeah, we should ask her if something's planned where A-Rod's going to talk about you, Darvish.
5: Darvish, I think we have to. I think that's
6: that's okay. I think uh, it'll be also interesting to ask her whether or not she thinks this Cubs team is lucky or unlucky. Because from what Jesse told us in the conversation we just had about the column on ESPNChicago.com... To me, it sounds like it's a negative outlook because if the Cubs are lucky to this point in the second half and they're only 12-11, and to me it sounds like at some point they won't be lucky and then they're going to have a worse record than they actually do. And then what's
7: the excuse going to be this year? Last year, they were tired. Well, the excuse is going to be the, the pitching staff well, didn't okay. give you
5: what you needed. Right. It's going to be both. It's going to be that. And Chris Bryant was out. I mean,
7: you know, they're big. But isn't the point of this team, the depth and being able to yeah. be able to yeah. be able to play without. Yeah. Playing without your star every once
6: in a while. Man, could you imagine if Javi Baez didn't take the jump that he
5: took this year? Well, think about it. Javi has, but nobody, I mean. I guess you have to say Hayward has, too. I mean, he's hitting, what, 281 or something like that. Yeah, but well, yeah. Hayward's a,
6: a veteran, so you kind of assume guys who've been around, but even I don't know though that he, he bought
5: him out. I don't know that you anybody assumed he was, uh, assume was well, going to get okay. this good this year. So
6: for the positive you got in Hayward, did anyone foresee Rizzo being the way no. he's been all he's summer? He's
5: been the most consistent, really? three hundred or uh, 30 homer, or 101 yeah. RBIs, for the last couple of years. He's good, been good more as, consistent than Bryant, even. Yeah, as of late,
6: Rizzo's been good. But uh-huh. if you look at his season compared to past, this isn't what you expected from from no. Anthony Rizzo.
5: And I think you expected a little bit more from Schwarber. Maybe you expected a little bit more from Happ. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe more com- from Contreras. Almora, even? Yeah, well, Almora gave it to you, and then the last two weeks, three weeks, he's just, he has not given it to you. So we will talk about the NFL. We get into some Bears a little bit later on. Adam Amin, who's doing all the preseason games, he did the one the other day in Cincinnati. Uh, We'll ask him if he had Skyline Chili. No, we probably won't. Uh, (laughs) At 11 o'clock, he'll join us. The Summer of Nick, Nick Friedel. At 11.30, it's been a while. We didn't talk to Nick last week. Well, he's a Bears reporter now, so, he so he's covering Bourbonnet and the Chicago Bears. And so we got his thoughts on and the, the Bears. Playpen. Today is the last Bourbonnet uh, practice. Closed to the public, so don't head out there uh, before they go to Denver and work out with the Broncos. It's Black Abdallah Hubner here on ESPN 1000. This is Chicago's
0: Game Day, only on ESPN 1000 at ESPNChicago.com. <laughs>
5: Welcome back in. Chris Black, Fred Huebner, Adam Abdallah, whose attention is completely diverted as Manchester City has begun defense of their
7: title. Let's go. Yep. I like so, those kits. Nice. Yeah, those are those, those are, are nice. nice. Yeah, I think they have the top button, which is this weird, Love that. like Henley look. That the they're top button should never be buttoned on I, any I, shirt. I, I, I yes, I agree with you, but I don't. know. Why does a soccer jersey need a button? button. Ah, no.
6: it's good to see Arsenal with their painted-on jerseys once again. The deep V. This
7: the City jerseys are a deep V. Okay, we've got Mike Tanera in the phone. Yeah, he does, he, he doesn't, doesn't care about City jerseys and their deep. He Vs. may or may not. We don't know. Uh, Smells from, like football Fred. from Bleacher
5: Report. It does smell like football. Mike how are you doing today?
2: I'm doing great, but what's the deal with baseball stirrups? Why do those guys wear stirrups? I don't understand that.
5: <laughs> you know, it's a good question. It's just the way things always were. We'll have to ask. will ask Jason Worth all about that. Uh, we're going to get into him a little bit later on. Hey, you know, everybody waits for they can't wait for preseason football. They can't wait for season and then preseason football starts, and we go. Why in God's name are we watching and you know having to watch three or four of these games? What were your thoughts after the first couple of games in preseason football, and were you as infatuated with the rookie quarterbacks as a lot of people seem to be?
2: I'm going to tell you something. The first hour of this preseason was the most exciting hour of preseason that I've ever experienced in my life. You had all those rookie quarterbacks going. There was like 7 o'clock Thursday night, like, Eight games started at once, and all the all the rookies played like significant action. And I had my NFL Game Pass going, so I'm clicking from game to game. And it's like, this is amazing, Baker Mayfield. Oh, look, Josh Allen can throw ninety five thousand yards. Oh, this, that, the other thing. And, and it really was uh, a, a good, you know forty five minutes there and then of course uh, the reality sets in and by last night it's like oh no it's the Broncos against the uh, against the uh, Vikings and here comes Paxton Lynch again you're like oh boy <laughs> uh, but you know what <laughs> you know moment by moment there was a lot to see and there was a lot to talk about and I am impressed by the rookie quarterbacks with that measured impressed by rookie quarterbacks way that disclaimer way of saying they showed a lot they showed that they belong in the nfl they said they showed that they are making progress towards being the the quarterback people hope they would be but uh, I, i'm not ready to call uh, sam donald the jet like uh, one new york <laughs> newspaper did let's let's put it that way
7: that being said about the rookie quarterbacks here in chicago we're seeing mitchell trubisky's fully start his first his first full season, because Mike Lennon had to start for some reason last year, uh, how many of the rookie quarterbacks would you prefer over Mitchell Trubisky?
2: Oh, I don't know, because I like Mitchell Trubisky, and I'm going to tell you right now, I've only seen a, a tiny bit of him this preseason, but uh, I like him... As a prospect, as much as I like any of these rookie quarterbacks, let's put it that way. If you were in this rookie class, you would have been among them, and I would have to sit and think if I would rate him, you know, above Darnold or above Mayfield or what. And what you have going for you, and again, yeah, we, I think we only saw four passes total from Trubisky and they didn't go down the field, but like, uh, you know, what you have going for you is the fact that you have all of that sort of rookie excitement with experience, with that invaluable experience of having gotten in here, gone through a whole camp last year, started a bunch of games last year and had some of those ups and downs. So so you have a guy with that kind of a talent level uh, who isn't going to go through all of this process that you have to deal with now. That can kind of be, uh, as a fan, you know, the Jets fans get to be like, oh, my God, look what Darnold did, whereas the Bears Bear fans are like, oh, my God, we have to watch Chase Daniels some more. Well, well, that's because you're further along in it. You're not watching babies take their first steps here. You're watching them go to school for the first time. and It's a different thing. So I'm very excited about Trubisky. I need to see more right now because I've seen, again, I think four passes total, but I need to see more from him. But I'm, I'm enthusiastic about what I saw last year, what I've seen for a process for him going back to his college
6: days. And to help his process, uh, Matt Nagy, new head coach for the Chicago Bears, what did you think of the Bears hiring him and the way this team is like set up for this season?
2: Well, I love him as a hire. I like him. I like his staff a lot. I like the, uh, the the pedigree, that he has that sort of Doug Peterson-like pedigree. I like that he's brought in some coordinators coming in from Oregon, et cetera, who, who add some of those ideas there. And yeah, I, I've seen tiny little flashes of it in the preseason, but I'm getting the impression that we're not seeing a whole lot. We're seeing the vanilla version of this in the preseason. So there are moments, but there are moments when you realize, yeah, you're watching Chase Daniel and you're only going to see so much of this offense. I'm excited to see what happens when it uncorks. Yeah, other teams are showing more. You know, I look at the Browns, and it looks like you know, Haley and Jackson—they're showing a lot of their offense right now. Some of the more uh, older school coaches are not going to do it that way. Looks like the the, the Bears have figured it out that they're not going to show a lot that way. I'm enthusiastic about what happens when we really see this real offense.
5: Now, I'm not necessarily asking you when it's going to stop, but obviously, one of the big questions here in Chicago is they draft Roquan Smith, and he's still not in camp. And uh, you know, there are a couple other big holdouts. Around uh, the NFL, also, what are your thoughts on on a a rookie quarterback or rookie? I'm sorry, not a rookie quarterback. A rookie holding out in his very first contract with the team, especially with what Roquan's doing here.
2: Especially when you're talking about a rookie defender, you know, not a rookie quarterback. Where you say, well, you're sort of a high leverage guy. And over the terms that we're looking at here, I kind of get what's going on. I mean, one of the big fears is we have these helmet-the-helmet rules. Uh, They could wind up in fines and suspensions and things like that for the players. And uh, uh, Smith wants some protection on that end. That said, uh, you know, if he's the guy who doesn't have those protections, it's him and, like, 15 other first-round defenders. Everybody's going to be in this boat, you know. Uh, Edmonds and the other Edmonds and all these other guys are going to be out there. It's a reality for everyone. I think on his side of things, I think you got to say, look, agent, stop trying to get the big win. Stop being Mr. President-setting guy. Get me out there so I can start my career. Build this on the back of somebody else. That's a very hard thing for a young player to do. And on the flip side of it, the Bears could also acquiesce on the other end and say, okay, this is a weird you know, white elephant situation. We could just give on it, and it'll all come out in the wash two or three years later. You know why owners don't want to set those precedents. You know why agents want to be the ones who set those precedents. It's a shame that in the middle of this all is a young guy trying to start his career who may not always be getting the best advice about how to proceed.
6: You know, many have said coming into this season that the NFC North will be the best division in football. Do you agree with that?
2: I don't know. I think the NFC South is better. I think it's a strong division overall, um, you know, you don't have a lot of weak teams in there. But yeah, especially from a Bears standpoint, you're looking up at two teams in particular, the Vikings and the and the Packers, uh who, who are going to be the teams to beat. And especially if you look at the Vikings yesterday against the Broncos in the first half. That's not a team to mess around with. So, you're going to be measuring yourself uh, against some very strong opposition.
7: Out of all the quarterbacks in the NFL, which do you think has the most to prove this season?
2: Of all the of all the all the quarterbacks all the way yeah. across? Mhm. Oh, my good, Okay, that's that's a big run. Uh, I'm going to go right now based on what I saw last night with Case Keenum. I mean, Case Keenum was brought into Denver and was has been built as sort of like the veteran who's going to take this team and get that great defense and let that great defense go out there and win games, and he's going to not lose the game, and he's going to manage the game. And he's going to direct things. And you know It's kind of like Trubisky. I think he only threw four passes yesterday. One was like a little three-yard screen, and that was the, the end of it. I need to see this because people forget Case Keenum was mopping up fourth quarters last year. This guy was nobody. This was the guy who changed the channel on when you saw that he was on, and now he's being touted as, as, as the starting quarterback. I, he had a phenomenal year uh, with the Vikings, but when you're surrounded with phenomenal talent, sometimes you have a phenomenal year as a quarterback. I, want to, I need to see him doing more. I need to see more from him in the preseason because he can't rest on his laurels. Get out there, show that you can move that offense, and show that the Broncos really got what they think they got when they spent a a good deal of money to sign you.
5: Mike Tanier from Bleacher Report, joining us here on ESPN 1000. Uh, One of the games that I did watch at the very beginning, just because I wanted to see what the return of John Gruden looked like, was the Raiders. Do you think he made the right call coming back, and do you think this is a team that can make some noise?
2: Oh, well, he made the right call coming back for that kind of money. (laughs) Uh, You know, it's, it's whether the team made the right call. I look at the overall talent, and, again, I didn't, I didn't see a whole lot out of them. You know, they had, they had pretty much a touchdown call back, and then right. they said we were done for the day, you know. Uh, uh, I, my concern about the Raiders is they have a lot of veteran talent, and they could easily go, like, 9, 7, 10, and 6 based on their veteran talent because you've got so many guys, got guys coming in, they'll figure out the Khalil Mack situation at some point, and you'll get, like, a pretty strong team. Okay, you go 9, 7, 10, and 6, you get a wild card. Great. Everybody on the team that they brought that they in as free agents is like 32 or 33, or they're running backs like, like Doug Martin, who are older. What do you do the next year and the year after that? It's easy in the NFL to get a couple of uh, free agents and have a wild card year. It's hard to sustain. Everything the Raiders showed me so far this offseason is that they're, they're going for that short-term success. So could they make noise? Could they wind up into the playoffs? Could they like you know, be an exciting team to watch? Absolutely. Am I comfortable with their long-range plan? Absolutely not. Need to see more out of everybody. Need to see more out of Gruden, too, to show that he's not just kind of flying by a seat of his pants and doing things the way uh, uh, teams did things 15, 20 years ago.
6: You know, uh, to dive more specifically into the Raiders, you know, John Gruden and Derek Carr is going to be an interesting relationship because Derek Carr looked like the next superstar quarterback in the NFL, and then he came back to Earth last season. What do you think the potential for Carr with Gruden there helping him will be?
2: I've never seen Gruden with a younger quarterback develop him. I've never seen that. I've seen Gruden go out there and get... 32 and 33 year old game managers and put good systems around them and that's how he had all of his success in the past so uh, that's a curiosity so I go back to the system and the supporting talent around him and and, and, and how that will impact him And you know I've got concerns and I've got questions I think Jordy Nelson can still contribute I think when you put him in there with Amari Coomer and other other guys that's great they've got Martavis Bryant like nine other guys one of them will turn out to be a good third receiver that'll be fine they still have Marshall and they'll be able to run the ball but there are things like the offensive tackle situations where it sounds like, uh, uh, the team is a little sour on Donald Penn. That's their reliable left tackle. So they go out there with the rookie Colton Miller, uh, in the preseason game and he's not prepared. All those little things where it looks like the coach is going to play like, uh, some kind of power game or something like that. Those are where the concerns come in. And if Gruden is, is really that, but I think there's a little bit of a stereotype that we kind of are all, all worried that Gruden is that guy. If he's that guy and he's sort of playing like, like gotcha games and things like that, That's going to be bad news for Carr because that's just not good for quarterbacks at any time, and it's definitely not for good for quarterbacks here in the twenty-first century uh, that that expect you know things to be done a little bit of a way to accommodate them.
5: Mike, we appreciate it. Uh, we're let you go. Uh, Josh Allen, you did comment that um, overthrows on deep passes almost as entertaining as completions. <laughs> so I thought that was a great comment. <laughs> I wanted to make sure I threw that out there before we let you go. Thanks a lot. Week two is coming up in the preseason, then that all-important week three. So it'll be fun, and we'll talk to you soon, I'm sure. I can't wait. Take care and enjoy the rest of
2: your weekend.
5: Thanks, Mike. Mike Tenere from uh, Bleacher Report. And, uh, yeah, I kind of got a kick out of the young quarterbacks. Um, I liked what Baker Mayfield did. It was fun to see. And I think it it all ties into the whole hard knocks thing. And every year I get sucked in thinking that, you know, for a while there I actually thought that, you know, Tampa Bay was going to be good and all that kind of stuff. And now we got Baker Mayfield and the Browns. And, you know, the Sam Darnold looked really good throwing the ball on the run the other day for the Jets.
6: Yeah, he did. And, you know, the the takeaways that I have is, like, obviously, right? Like, every conversation, we understand what the preseason is. But yeah. it's good to see young quarterbacks show up and look comfortable in what they're doing in their first outing. So watching Baker Mayfield, look at the reads, make decisions, get out of the pocket, make some throws. Sam Darnold, same exact thing. And, you know, Josh Allen, he threw a couple really deep balls. He also looked like a complete train wreck at times. And I think that's something that if you paid attention to what people were saying coming into the draft, everyone was high on Baker, Darnold, Rosen. People had questions about uh, Josh Allen because He wasn't Carson Wentz in college. Wyoming never won anything. Mm -hmm. They were an average team that really didn't do a whole bunch. If you dive into the numbers on what Josh Allen did at Wyoming, his numbers weren't spectacular. So he had like the makeup, but he didn't have the performance that Carson Wentz did at a similar type school, North Dakota State. So I I think what's interesting is it's not surprising to me that Josh Allen kind of looked a mess. Yet Darnold, someone who proved it in college, Baker, who proved it in
7: college, both looked awesome, and that's why I asked Mike the question about which young quarterback he would take before he took Trubisky. And I look at it across all the NFL, yeah. and if you were to do a, a, a quarterback draft, if you will, when would Mitchell Trubisky be taken? Obviously, the the well, first he's tier quarterback at the
6: very end.
7: I don't know if it's at the very end. I would say it's it's in the mid 20s.
6: But if, if we're sitting there and the quarterbacks available are the ones from last year's draft and this year's draft, I'm taking Trubisky over Josh Allen. Yes.
7: Patrick Mahomes, I'm unsure. I'm unsure. I'm unsure. I know you love we're, Sam we're, Darnold we're like he's gonna, your like he's your first son, but we're, we're all
6: going to take Deshaun Watson over oh, Trubisky, right? Yeah, okay, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I like Sam Darnold. I like Josh Rosen. I like Baker Mayfield. I like. I would like to see Trubisky be better than them, but from what I saw in college, those guys were better than Mitch Trubisky in college, and he played only 13 games. Sure. Right. But then you go into last season. What did Trubisky show you last season that makes you say, wow, this guy's a franchise-saving quarterback? He didn't really show me anything. And
7: I also put uh, Jimmy Garoppolo in that class because now that he's a starter. That's the wild card because I think we'd all take Jimmy first, right? Yes, absolutely. But I'm putting him in that class because he didn't get a chance to start until last year. You know what I mean? Like he had a couple games for Brady here and there. But I'm saying that he wasn't available until last year. So I'm putting him in that new quarterback class. Well, he would be one. I think he would be number one, too. But where would – I think Trubisky, like you said, I'm taking him close to the bottom. I would rather have Baker Mayfield than Mitchell Trubisky right now. Absolutely. Bigger arm guy, right? Well, he's proven thing, it. i the biggest thing. He's proven it. I've seen him win games. Yeah. I haven't seen Trubisky win games. I haven't seen him assert himself onto the field and put like a team on – like, okay, so he only started 13 games in college. Why?
6: Well, he couldn't beat beat out the other quarterbacks oh, yeah. at, at
7: and, the at the illustrious uh, quarterback school of North Carolina. I mean, right. it's a quarterback factory there in North Carolina. Yeah, yeah. Last yeah. I Churn, heard, churning them out. I okay, mean, so why couldn't he beat a beat out? Why was the second overall pick in the draft couldn't beat out his own guy, the guy ahead of him in college,
6: Mister Ohio, the state of Ohio, who didn't go to Ohio State? Why not? No, I'm just I'm just stating. What you facts even started you started Ohio
7: State? No, he'd be like third string, third or fourth, yeah. 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 That so a uh, so, a lot of so to me, like there's so much faith and so much pressure put on Mitchell Trubisky, and everybody just assumes he's going to be good because oh, well, Matt Nagy's got this high flying offense. Well, what if he can't comprehend the offense? What if he has trouble? That's what we saw in, in the first pre, in the quote first preseason game on Thursday. Well, in the second preseason uh. game, communication issues.
5: Yeah, what we also saw in the first preseason game is nothing that they're probably even running. That's fair. So what they're running
7: is going to be more complicated than what he couldn't get off?
5: But the argument would be, are the Jets running what they'll run?
6: Are the Browns running what they'll run when the season starts? I don't think anyone is. I I just want to see positive
5: plays. I'm not saying that. Trubisky showed us positive plays last year for sure. Yeah. Uh, well, we're hoping the Cubs do some positive things tonight as they have the game against the uh, Nationals Sunday Night Baseball. You can see it on ESPN, and uh, now we're fortunate enough to talk with Jessica Mendoza, who will be on the broadcast, along with Matt Vasgersian, who's a busy guy today, and also Alex Rodriguez. How are you doing, Jessica? Thanks for jumping on in.
8: Oh, absolutely. I'm pumped. I, we got a awesome matchup tonight. Not only Cubs-Nats, but Max Scherzer and Cole Hamels, so... I'm excited. We don't always get the 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 matchups like this.
5: (laughs) Yeah, I know that Cub fans are excited with Hamels. I mean, he's pitched really well since he's come over. Now he actually gets a chance to pitch against a team that's hitting the ball, and I guess the uh, the Nationals showed that a little bit yesterday. This is a big start for him, isn't it?
8: It's a huge start, And, and you think about how John Lester's pitched his last, well, basically since the break. And I mean, you if you're a Cubs fan, you need. Cole Hamels to kind of show that he's been the pitcher. He he was his first two starts in a Cubs uniform. But you're right. I mean, you look at Ryan Zimmerman and even Daniel Murphy. I mean, this is the Nationals lineup that you kind of talked about or we talked about earlier in the season, but everyone was injured. They never really got rolling. You're starting to see when everyone is healthy and in that lineup, the damage they can do. Um, But after the rough start yesterday for Lester, I just feel like there's more and more pressure on Hamels to kind of be that guy. I don't know if it's fair because hamels isn't who he was 10 years ago but he's definitely showing that he's a different pitcher in a cubs uniform than he's been in texas
6: jessica if you take a, a scope look at the entire season for the chicago cubs this year um i don't know if many cub fans would say that the cubs have played their best baseball but i wonder if they will be able to play their best baseball in the next month and change as we head out towards the end of the season into the playoffs well, that's
8: crazy about this team is you think about I mean they still have what a two-game lead over the Brewers in the division and yet they haven't and Joe Madden would be the first to tell you I and mean, the entire team would say they just haven't gotten on that role but you look at the talent we've all seen the potential of the names that are, that are on this team but what's crazy to me is they still have not shown that team. They haven't been the one that can score the runs and pitch and play the defense. It doesn't seem like all three can get going, at least not in consecutive games. And so, when I look at the rest of the season and I think about give the Brewers a lot of credit and, and the team that they have, and the acquisitions they've gone and get, but the Cubs are a better team. And so when that team shows up, and it might not, I mean, that's, that's what's scary, but this team should definitely not only be a division winner, but a team that can go far in the postseason.
7: Is John Lester still the most, I guess, trustworthy pitcher on this staff right now as a starter?
8: Oh, that's a tough question. I mean, I feel like we actually just—I just walked out of our meeting right now with Alex and Matt and our producer and director, and we were kind of having that same discussion. Is like, I feel like that's where Hamill has this like pressure to be not the guy. I don't think that's fair. But I mean, do you look at like Kyle Hendricks, who's had a very up and down season? Um, yet you kind of know what you're going to get from him. But, you know, is he that guy? No, he's definitely not going to be. But at the end of the day, John Lester, yeah, he's had hiccups since the All-Star break. But to me, I mean, at the end of the day, he's John Lester. So I get excited about just when you think about for the Cubs in the rotation, like there's no one else that you're going to be, hey, this is somebody that's over John Lester. I think he's going to come back around. It's just been scary his last few starts.
5: Jessica Mendoza nice enough to join us here on ESPN 1000. Uh how much fun have you had watching a guy like Javi Baez play baseball the last year's year year two? Uh last couple of years the way he what he's brought the excitement, the entertainment that he's brought to the game.
8: Right? I mean, I, I you know, I, it's funny. I picked him in the lineup as like the person to highlight and the reason I love watching him play is like <laughs> He's so unconventional. And when I say unconventional is in a day and age of where metrics are in king and hey, you gotta take this many pitches and you can't chase outside the zone. I mean you look at his numbers. He has the highest chase weight. No one swings at more pitches. No one swings at more pitches out of the zone. I mean the guy is all over the place, yet he's hitting. You know, and I think tonight's a really good test for Javier Baez when you the questions of, like, okay, how does he do then against really good pitching? Because you look at just his hit chart, and then he's hitting sliders that are two feet outside and, you know, inches off the ground. I mean, his reach and his ability of how to hit, well, try that against Max Scherzer. You know, so it, tonight's going to give us, I feel like, a good view of maybe, I won't use the word discipline at all for Javier Baez, but for him to have an understanding of more what it's going to look like in October, Of really top notch pitching and what pitches he should lay off of and ones that he still can crush. But what I love about watching him, everything you just said, his energy, his passion, his smile, all of it, I just love that he's unconventional. And honestly, he kind of blows up the metrics, at least for himself, of like, hey, you got to take this many pitches. You can't swing here. He says, no, I'm going to be who I am. And he's proven it with the numbers.
6: Do you think Baez could be the MVP this year?
8: You know, I do. I don't think there's a guy that's running away with it, and what you see kind of more in the American League, it's like a dominance of, well, really the Red Sox and Mookie Betts and JD Martinez. But um, you know, in the National League, there's, there's, it's been like this all season long. There isn't like that guy that's like clearly head and above the rest. And when you also mention like the contending teams and kind of eliminate those that aren't, like I just feel like the numbers that Javier Baez, the defense. And honestly, like, think about his numbers, like, uh, defensively. And I know Chris Bryant, I felt like this bumped him in his MVP season. Uh, He had all the offensive numbers. Remember, that was the year that he played just as much, not just as much, but he played some right field. He played other positions. You have to, in my opinion, when you talk about value, most valuable player, his value to this Cubs team when Chris Bryant ran down, and you have David Bowie at third, but you look at the numbers that Javier Baez put up when he was playing third base. You look at his ability to play a multitude of positions. Addison Russell, when he's out, he plays shortstop. Like, that, to me, makes him, like, the top of the list of MVP candidates.
7: Does uh, does rod have any more inside info on you, Darvish, he's going to share on the broadcast tonight? <laughs>
8: <laughs> he might. <laughs> <laughs> That's guys, what we call the tease. Did, yeah. did, <laughs> did you guys
5: realize how much of a firestorm that was going to make here in Chicago when that came out?
8: Um, you know, I, I don't know if I knew it was going to be that much of a firestorm, but I remember how convicted he was in his statement. Um, you know, sitting right next to me and, <laughs> you know, I was proud of him because I feel like in your first full year or two as a, as a broadcaster, one of the hardest things to do is face things that you feel strongly about. And if you're going to sit there in our meeting and have this conviction of like what you feel about you Darvish, you know uh, and say that this is this is how you your opinion again this isn't him saying that joe madden said this or anyone else said this this is his opinion of being in a clubhouse for practically two decades and having an understanding of of what he would feel um, that's not easy to do because exactly what happened you create enemies you create backlash you know we're going to walk into joe madden's office you know prior to the game and and you know, you hope that, that there's still that ability to have, you know, a normal conversation and not a lot of animosity. Um, so to me, I was, I was really proud of Alex because that's how he feels. And you, you guys get this. You've heard a ton of ex-players. and To me, when I hear ex-players, they still want to be everyone's friend. They still want everyone's vanilla, right? It's like, oh, he's great and tries hard and, you know, whatever. It's all positive in alex's case with you he was very honest and very real and honestly and very strong and as soon as he said those things i knew it wasn't just gonna um go over easy
6: okay so uh we know what a-rod said about you what do you think about you darvish do you think he can come back and help this team for the stretch run
8: i mean i think he can i i don't think anyone knows except for him i mean i've talked to players and managers and I do think there's a mentality there, and as much as we can talk about the physical parts that are keeping him from, you know, being back in this, um, you know, I just, you look at at Yu Darvish, even from going back to the World Series and some of the bigger starts of his career, like, I feel like there is a a pressure that's feeling. This is all opinion, but I'd love to see Yu Darvish put this to rest and get back out there and and just be, like, this pitcher that we know the Cubs sign, not only with the stuff, but just to me, put to rest the mentality, that weaker mentality that I feel like kind of follows him, um, whether it's from the World Series, whether it's from bigger games. And, you know, I, I want to see him be able to to obviously pitch, but not have it be, you know, a physical thing, have it be proved that he's mentally strong.
6: Did you get a sense of uh, the locker room or players within the team not uh, supporting you in his rehab?
8: No.
1: All right, that's a good. No,
8: that's a good answer. <laughs> yeah,
4: right. I mean,
6: it, it's just something that we were talking about before uh, you came on because we were like, you know, we wonder because of all the news that A Rod made if the production crew, if everyone, if A-Rod's going to say something, and then we were just trying to figure out, like, how will Sunday Night Baseball go about approaching this topic tonight? So that's what we were talking about earlier. Oh, well, we know a couple of weeks
5: ago, yep. uh, you know, he, he was he was with, uh, A-Rod was with Chris Bryant, and yep. Bryant showed him where he wanted pitches and things like that. We were just wondering if he was going to sit with, with you and have a little <laughs> have a little sit down <laughs> a little between innings. Yeah. That, that would have been fun. Probably
8: <laughs> That would have been perfect, though. yeah. Yeah. yeah go so. over well. Well, <laughs> you know, and we
5: heard we also heard uh, that your partner uh, Maddie he's he's not going to just sit around the hotel room this afternoon. He's actually going to do a couple of things with Hawk Harrelson today.
8: Yeah, I know it's his idol too, um, and I was really, really looking forward, to it. really excited about it. Um, and, and honestly, in our meeting this morning, was just giddy. I mean, pretty <laughs> pumped about the idea of being able to sit down with someone that he personally is like top of the list. I mean, how many times do you think about it and it's almost like, you know, uh, as a player being able to sit with like a legendary like player that you've always looked up to and kind of emulated your own game after. I mean, that's Matt Rescursion, and his job is play by play with Hawk Carlson and, and everything that he's looked up to with him and, and honestly epitomized in a lot of way, um, or try to, to be like. And I just, I think it's cool for Matt because I love Matt and <laughs> I think Matt's created his own craft. I think for anyone to have someone that they look up to, to be able to sit next to, and honestly credit Hawk to be able to let them do a game. Um, Especially, honestly, on a day when that's got kind of a big game uh, (laughs) for us.
5: Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I think a lot of people are going to catch it. Jessica, we really appreciate you jumping on. We'll be watching the broadcast tonight. Thanks a lot. Thanks, guys. Jessica Mendoza from the ESPN broadcast Along with A-Rod and Matt Vasgersian, And yeah, Vaskersian's gonna call a couple innings With Hawk today And then gonna, you know Wonder if he'll take the yell up to Wrigley Field Yeah, he'll do It'd that It'd be perfect and, for uh,
6: him. Listen, they, they have to address Sure What A-Rod said about you, Darvish Either A-Rod will uh, he'll, he'll say whatever he wants to say But they're gonna have to do it early in the broadcast Don't you guys think? Yeah I, I mean, I don't know you don't think I, it's going to be a storyline tonight?
7: I think, well, look. Think base, about it. We, we were talking is, about the Cubs last hour, and a lot of the conversation yes. was, will they have the help of you, Darvish, I to understand get
6: that through the, the final part that of the season? I understand that
7: locally it is a big story, but this is a national broadcast, and I don't know if this was a huge, this wasn't a huge story nationally. This was, a, it's It's the Cubs. Baseball is still a local sport. So locally, yes, what A-Rod said, what Rick Sutcliffe said, what uh, Tim Kirchgen said, it was a big deal to us. I don't know if... If on a national broadcast a couple weeks later it's a big deal
6: plus i think if you had any question to to where or how a rod got that information i think uh Jess answered everything we needed to know yeah right
5: i'm still wondering
6: well i mean like okay i think uh is so if you were around there you probably didn't pick up on what a rod was saying so there's only a few. There's fewer options. Either yeah. he he got it all on his own, or someone else gave it to him to be said.
5: Right. Mm-hmm. Right. I, yeah, and I don't know. will mm-hmm. know the, the answer until. Uh, I don't, don't know if the, you the ever shows answer. up to pitch. Right? Yeah. I, th- yeah. I think you should show up in the, he should show up in the broadcast room. Just <laughs> do it in the game. Just just pop on in. Uh, we come back. Uh, my MLB notebook. We've got some stuff to talk about. Also, Adam Amin will join us. Top of the hour, 11 o'clock. Not only is
0: he a basketball guy, not only is he ESPN, but he is also. This is Chicago's game day. Only on ESPN 1000 at ESPNChicago.com. And the ball driven to left center. Sousa. He's got it! He's got it! It's a no-hitter! Fred goes around the horn.
3: It's a triple play for the Sox. Touch them all, Joe! You'll never hit a bigger
0: home run in your life. Fred's Baseball Notebook. Uh, welcome
5: back in, Black Abdallah-Hubner, and every Sunday at 10.30 we try and do the Baseball Notebook. And uh, some interesting stuff last night, especially if you're looking at some of the races in the National League, like the National League West. The Dodgers a 2 nothing lead over the Rockies in the bottom of the ninth inning, but it wasn't over. Rockies, a couple of men on base. And who is Ryan McMahon? Cheering by those uh, those Rockies fans in uh, at Coors Field, Ryan McMahon a walk off three run homer as the Rockies beat the Dodgers a final of three to two, and uh, that's big because guys, there's. Um It was not Kenley Jansen out there to close out the game, which should be. But Kenley Jansen uh, is likely to be out for a while. He has an irregular heartbeat. They said a month, but he's got, I guess, another doctor's appointment in a week or so. And they're going to see what happens. Right now, the Dodgers in Arizona are tied for the lead in the West. The Rockies are only a game and a half back. So the National League West is all kinds of fun to watch right now. And um, that just made it even more interesting with the Dodgers being without Kenley Jansen especially after the big contract he signed.
6: Yeah, well, and, and what the Cubs faced in the NLCS last year. I mean, yeah. if he's out for the
5: playoffs, then you got to love the Cubs' chances if they face the Dodgers. Sure. I mean, if the Dodgers even make it at this point, because yeah. this could be a tough stretch for them. Mm-hmm. And uh, in that National League with so many teams well-bunched, like we were talking about, yeah. there's a chance they could not make the postseason. One team we know is going to the postseason, uh, and that is uh, the Boston Red Sox. They are the best team in baseball, and this guy is one of the reasons why, J.D. Martinez. Did he get another one?
3: And yes, sir, he's done it again. J.D. Martinez,
5: number 37. Yeah, not one but two home runs for J.D. Martinez. It's 36th and 37th of the season as the Red Sox take a doubleheader from Baltimore. And this in yesterday, the news in case you missed it. Um, the Baltimore Orioles have been eliminated from uh, the postseason.
6: Uh, see, I thought they had a chance yeah. after they traded Manny Machado. I thought that they would maybe make a late
5: summer. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. I'll uh, save my uh, Oriole <laughs> hot takes for later. Yesterday, the Oakland A's had. A familiar pitcher on the mound. He pitched for the Cubs. He's pitched for the White Sox. He's pitched for almost every team in Major League Baseball. Edwin Jackson seven seven and a third scoreless innings for the Oakland A's. But that wasn't what we're going to play. Uh, we're going to play something from the game. It was just a fly ball to left center. There goes Where was it. And that ball's hit in the air, left center field. Mariano on the run, and he makes the catch they wow. got a chance to double up young and the throw is in time and he got wow. it unbelievable oh my god that throw oh my god to canna it wasn't from the cutoff oh, man it's unbelievable it was from lariano <laughs> i mean the catch alone was enough
3: but to finish it off with a double play an incredible play streaking toward left center field makes the catch on the run and sails it on the fly to first base and doubles up Eric
5: Young Ramon Laureano with a catch like they said the catch was good enough he went to uh, left center makes the catch runs up against the wall gets the ball and looks takes like two steps and throws on the fly on a rope. 321 feet. They measured it at StatCast. They can do everything except call balls and strikes. Um, But 321 feet right to first base and they double up the guy that had already routed second base, and that was his mistake. And uh, that was just an amazing play. You got to check it out. It's on MLB and probably YouTube and everywhere else. Yeah, Fred, we always
6: talk about how baseball has to do a better job promoting the game's best plays through yep. social media. That play was everywhere last night. So, like, yeah. that was one of the rare times where if you weren't paying attention to that game, I think a lot of people saw it and wow, what a throw. Just saw it right now. Pretty yeah. good, right?
5: And if you were paying attention to the Oakland A's, something's yeah, yeah. seriously wrong with well, you. Well, I mean, they, they've been hot, Fred. They're making <laughs> To run the uh san francisco giants did something that the cubs failed oh. to do uh-oh what did they do they retired number 25 oh yeah they allowed barry Bonds to come walking in from center field and they yeah. had a big night and Welcome they retired his uniform and they did you hear what willie Mays said what did willie may say uh he should be a hall of famer Put him in. there and you and go i wow. agree come on he is his he is his godson I if think. the say hey kid says so put Actually, him in not his godson no, it might be. I, there's yeah, I think this is it. There's That's a it. relationship, yeah. there, right? Yeah. yeah. So uh, Barry Bonds, they had, they retired his uniform number twenty-five. Do you uh, think? Do you think he should be in the Hall of Fame front? Yeah, I think they should put all those guys in and just say that this. They're... Like
6: we we all know what happened. Right. So why are we holding out saying? Well, we're going to ruin the Hall of Fame. We know what happened in the nineties. Yeah. So put Bonds in, put McGuire in, put all Roger Clemens, put him, put him, him in. in. Come on. Yeah. We know
5: what happened. We saw it. Yeah. Did I you not see baseball in the nineties? I think Sammy Sosa goes to the Hall of Fame before they allow him back into Wrigley Field. That that's possible. <laughs> mm. Which is strange
7: because yeah. I know. Come on, Rick. It's just Yeah, there's a there's some bitter beer face there. Yeah, there is. Just get over
5: it. Uh just for, for White Sox fans, uh, Michael Kopek since June twentieth. Uh, Kopech, four 4 2 with a 233 ERA. 10 games started, 58 innings. His ERA is the fourth lowest over the span. Strikeouts are the most over that span. So, uh, yeah, he's pitching actually pretty good. I don't know that he or Elo Jimenez Leave are going to come up this friend. year. Leave yeah, him down. No, I, don't, I don't want him to come up. I don't think, he, I don't know that either one will. But there was word from Chris Getz the other day saying that Elo Jimenez is getting closer. Um, I, you're always getting closer. We're all getting closer to death. We're all getting closer to we're at, getting, we're getting closer to the the White Sox win the World Series every single day. You're getting closer. Yeah, We are getting closer every getting day. Brunch, yes, much closer to brunch. <laughs> yes,
0: much closer to brunch. Yeah, yeah,
5: much yeah. closer to brunch. And one other thing, we come back. I wanted to bring up something uh, with a guy that uh, played baseball for the uh, oh, Philadelphia yeah. Phillies. Uh, he also played for the Nationals, and uh, he said that there are a bunch of super nerds
7: running uh, Major League Baseball. Is this an old guy shaking a fist? Oh, well, well, he's not that old, even. Is he a hairy guy shaking oh, a fist? He's very oh, he's hairy. hairy. Okay. Okay. We'll talk about
5: him when we come back. It's Abdallah Black-Hubner right here on ESPN 1000.
2: why I'm
0: to see Chicago's game day only on ESPN 1000 at espnchicago.com. I'm
2: easy like Sunday morning.
5: Welcome back in. Fred Hubner along with Chris Black Adam going to talk with Adam Amin, he's he's settling on upside. He he will he'll get to hear about Jason Worth poor, poor guy up.
6: out late last night with Adam Abdallah, uh, a big which is, event which you is he, which is he which no,
5: you I was going to say which you feel worse for because he was out late last night or was with Abdallah well, but he was with you as yes. well so and I mean.
6: then he has to show up and hang out with us now so I mean it's <laughs> it's a tough day for uh, Adam Amin
5: <laughs> well it is but you know when he gets... I'll,
7: I'll tell the story uh, real quick when he left yesterday he did like the most epic name drop he's like well you know boochie grass is in town i gotta go hang out with him <laughs> it's like what okay thanks it's, be- it's
4: better
6: than abdallah so yeah i
7: thought we were friends but whatever well real quickly, real
5: quickly uh jason worth said this earlier in the week and then paul sullivan uh wrote an article today and the mm-hmm. headline is worth underestimates the worth of uh, super nerds they always say that the guys that write the article don't write the headlines and Hopefully that's true. Um, Jason Worth said uh, earlier this week, he said, uh, hey, they've got all these super nerds, as I call them in the front office, who know nothing about baseball, but they like to project numbers and project players. When they come down, these kids from MIT or Stanford or Harvard, wherever they're from, uh, they've never played the game in their life. When they come down to talk about the stuff like defensive shifts, should I just bunt over there? They're like, no, don't do that. We don't want you to do that. We want you to hit a home run. It's just not baseball to me. We're creating something that's not fun to watch. It's boring. Uh, you're turning players into robots. They've taken the human element out of the game. Now, I understand. You know, it took me a while to figure out all the stats. Not not to understand them. I know that there's stats out there that make sense. But some of the things he's saying is, is true, and that's one of the reasons that we have so many... Um, so many at-bats turning out into home runs, walks, or strikeouts. Right. The game's changed.
6: You missed out on the best line, the line that they should just put laptops out on the on the yeah. field because uh, that's all we need to, to play baseball. It, it, it's interesting, right? Because uh, what we grew up watching, you had more guys like Anthony Rizzo who would use the field that was available to him, even though he's a player that heavily pulls. Mm-hmm. He does lay something down opposite field many times to get on base to make something to create something and having action on the base pads and forcing the defense to react leads to good things if you're on offense and it seems like Jason Worth was saying many times that's been eliminated from the game altogether because it just bopped one over the
5: fence yeah and even Rob Manfred said a couple of weeks ago uh and you know me I'm me and Rob I'm not the biggest fan but no, you? Really? He said that he thought when these defensive shifts were made that the players would just adjust and they would just learn to hit the other way. Well, Jason Worth is basically telling you It's not that easy. And a lot of guys are saying a lot of the propeller heads, as they say later on in the article, uh, that's what they used to be called, the propeller heads, is a lot of them are just saying, no, no, don't worry about hitting it. Just hit the ball out of the park. Then you don't have to worry about the shift.
7: There's a piece on uh, ESPN earlier this week that went through all of the metrics of the shift, and it's actually created more offense. So Worthis and Manfred are both wrong on that. Uh, And uh, we were talking about this earlier. This week, and Jeff Meller brought up the point because I'm going to give him credit because I'm stealing his uh, thought. Stay away. Go for it. Jason Wirth got his huge contract because of analytics. Because he was an on-base guy, because he was one of these guys that had a huge on-base percentage, and the analytics guys loved him, and when analytics guys started taking over front offices, he got a huge contract because of it. Yes, he did. So he should be thanking the analytics guys and their laptops.
6: Is baseball the only sport where more information sometimes has a negative connotation to it? Because, like, I, as a basketball fan and someone who is obsessed with the NBA, it's never a negative thing to be like, well, they have the best analytic department. They have the most information. Mm -hmm. They make all these decisions based on this, that, and the other. But in baseball, it's like, for some reason, we always have to, with one step forward, we take two steps back and say, whoa, whoa, whoa. Too many numbers here. Let these humans be humans and play baseball. Is it the only sport
5: where too much information is looked at as a bad thing? It might be. It might be because I know in the NFL it's not. No, right. In the in NFL, soccer, in, more we're, we're soccer. watching Premier League yeah.
6: soccer in analytics and soccer and, and heat maps and where guys are running and distance right. and all this different stuff is huge
5: in yeah, soccer. So it is. It, it's strange that people are so afraid of it with baseball. We get a fourth person in the room, Adam Amino Jones. Right. We come back after this. It's Black abdallah Hubner here on ESPN. This is Chicago's game. Don't fall play.
1: The comeback round is picked off.
0: Intercepted by Kyle Fuller. Still on his feet into the end zone. Pick six, Chicago. See Chicago's game day only on ESPN 1000 and ESPNChicago.com. Uh, highlights courtesy
5: Fox 32. The Bears, uh, not preseason opener, but the first one on uh, Fox 32 this year after the Hall of Fame game. And uh, there you heard the uh, touchdown for Kyle Fuller. And uh, the man that called that joins us in the studio here Adam Amin nice enough to jump on with me Chris Black um, also Adam Abdallah and me, by the way, Fred Hubner, not me, Chris Black. Yeah, right. Uh, yeah, that uh, would be weird.
6: It's good to see Amin here because, uh, whoa, we saw you, what, 11 hours ago, 10 hours ago? <laughs> yep.
1: Yeah, like out literally when you left, you're like, we after, will see you uh, <laughs> in 11 hours. After, uh, after, after studying?
6: Well, yeah, yeah, well,
1: we at the uh, library we were, last we were, night. We were
6: studying college football. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It was a great event yeah, for it the was, uh, it was solid verbal podcast. We all went out, uh, we, Went out afterwards. The guys are great. We had a uh, good time. And some listeners who listen to this station also mm-hmm. listen to their podcast. We got to meet uh Katie, the weather nerd. Yeah, you guys seen her on Twitter before? She yeah. listens yep. mm-hmm. all the time to this station. She was there. Mike Baldy was there, uh, trying to get his alumni questions. in. it was <laughs> that it was someone talking uh, earlier with the alini question. Was that was Mike him. wanted to get some alini conversation going High about Lovey concern. Smith's
5: beard. We and wanted their, to keep <laughs> listeners, so yeah. we didn't go to
6: that call. Win and a half yeah, over under this year. Wow. Wow. Yeah, yeah we'll so it was a good to,
5: time. We'll get to Illinois talk
6: soon. Yeah, sometime. No, we'll probably we'll, not, but. but I love you get yeah. some we'll talk Northwestern and Notre Dame and the real yeah. teams in the big time.
5: Yeah. Well, and it's funny too because you guys were talking about that as we, we have Adam here and, you know, doing, getting a chance to do the Bears and then doing all the basketball you do and doing college. I mean, you know, how many different things you have to study for? You have to know each and everything. What don't you do? I mean, you don't, you don't have to do much on 8-8. Eight, 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 uh, Eighteen. You didn't have to do money. The uh, ochos, uh, ocho. <laughs> no. Before no, no you answer ball. that,
7: I will. I will answer your question for you, Fred. Bef- before Adam Amin, because he yesterday said, "Do you know?" That the world record for cheese curds, eating cheese curds, was set today. And I go, just because you did one food eating, like championship food event, doesn't mean you need to know and study up on all all these. I
1: I thought it was an important piece of news. Joey Chestnut got taken down at the Wisconsin State Fair. (laughs) By Darren Breeden, who finished third in the Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest. He ate 5.2 pounds of cheese curds. That's a world record, folks. That's pretty darn good. Come on. Did did
5: they say what company made the cheese curds? Because that's always... I don't know if you've ever gone to Culver's. Culver's has Mm -hmm. good cheese curds.
1: I like Culver's cheese curds. Uh, Culver's was the first place I ever ate cheese curds. Yeah, they're very
5: good. Were they deep
6: fried or were they... Deep fried, yeah. Did they squeak? Do you, You know that's a thing, right? You guys are aware of this? I, no, like, the three of us if look like a cheese Chris Black and Have you guys never gone quickly. to Wisconsin in your life?
1: I, oh, yeah, I go to Wisconsin all the squeak. time.
6: You can tell the freshness of a good cheese curd if by the
7: squeak. What? I All right, people I will call. That. Don't worry. Yeah. You guys are on I feel like, no,
1: no no I feel like there's a lot of people that I, that will corroborate that. Yes. I, I yeah. believe. I a, honestly a good, do. Believe, fresh heard. I don't will, think you would make squeak. something up like that. I, I feel like that is. <laughs> be, yeah, I, don't I decided you to wait time.
6: until 11.05 <laughs> on this Sunday morning to make up something as ridiculous. I, I as was thinking that. Was nine,
7: yeah, <laughs> or
1: eleven uh, I don't think you spent time thinking about how can I they do squeak, people man. with this with this cheese curd fact they that could be on a Snapple, Snapple <laughs> container uh, isn't so, because it's not real.
5: So, Adam, uh, growing up here in the area, growing up in Addison, it had to be great to be get a chance to call uh, a hometown team. Give me a chance to call Bears preseason games. I know that they did a great job um, introducing you to the, uh, the Bears viewers the other day with Jim Miller and, uh, even popped up a nice little picture.
1: Of you. <laughs> I think, so for those curious that who did see the picture, I, that was definitely in third grade. I promise that was not taken like the day of the game. Uh, the height, the height is a li- I'm a little taller than four foot nine now. Not much, but a little bit. But, uh, no, it was awesome. I, I was, I was telling some of the guys it's, um, di- a different set of butterflies. Mm-hmm. It's just, it felt completely different than anything else when, it is the team you grew up rooting for and watching and investing in and being the guy that watches the preseason games. Sure. Wondering who the fifty third guy and who the special teams Maven's gonna be. It was it was a pretty cool, pretty cool night.
5: And for years wondering who Sam Rosen was and why he was doing games. <laughs> you don't have to say anything on that. Sammy's terrible, a staple. Yeah, yep. you,
1: you guys are Sammy's not going anywhere. You guys are gonna get plenty of Sam
7: Rosen during the during the regular season. Yeah, please no. Well listen, when you're the Bears, you will because when you're playing bad teams and you're a bad team you're going to get that fifth and sixth fox crew on your game i'll say
1: this though the the schedule this year is actually pretty robust it is. because because yeah. they're playing the afc east yeah so you get you're going to get to see potentially get to see sam darnold because they'll see him in you know the middle of the season i think week 10 week 11 something like that it's like a three-week stretch you're, you're going to get a chance to see Sam Darnold. You're going to see Tom Brady. So the schedule is actually pretty robust this year.
6: Okay, so what did you make of uh, calling your first game, being there? Um, the starters didn't really play too much. Right. What could you take away from what you saw from the starters uh, on that night on Thursday?
1: Uh, starting on offense, just uh, you just still got to get into a rhythm a little bit. Uh, I did see right away, though, first play that Mitch Trubisky was out there. Uh, I mean, they took a shot to Kevin White, and that's something that I do think the Bears want to do a little bit more of. They they do want to do a little bit more of that this season, a little bit more more testing of the downfield passing game. Uh, I, I think Matt Nagy coming over from Kansas City wasn't calling the plays throughout the entire season last year, but towards the end of the year, he was calling plays. And Philadelphia, Kansas City, these are teams that like to run RPOs, this run-pass option. For those of you who are college fans, you're very familiar with RPOs. Uh, they've they've pretty much evolutionized what we're doing on the college side of things. It's forced defenses to advance and spread out and try to cover more ground with less guys, essentially, because they're so far spread out. So some of those concepts are going to be thrown in. And and remember, Alex Smith was not afraid to throw downfield. He had targets. He had guys like Tyreek Hill, Kareem Hunt, Travis Kelsey. I'm not saying the Bears have guys who are necessarily at that caliber of, say, a Travis Kelsey at tight end just yet. But the weapons and the pieces are there to try to have an offense that's going to have a similar mindset and a similar philosophy.
7: When you've got a new coaching staff coming in, like Matt Nagy and his staff... How much prep do you need to do as far as looking back at the games he did call plays for? Cause when you call a, a coach or a game coached by John Fox, you're like, well, this is what they did last year. This right. is a lot of stuff they did last year. We have no idea as far as Bears fans go what Nagy is going to do because sure. it's very vanilla with the first, a quote, first preseason game. And do you, how much do you go back to what he did?
1: I think that's where you have to go to try to get a, a sense for because he's and, and rightfully so by the way a first year head coach or any head coach and, and that's often the case in the preseason they're not going to show their hand they're not going to give you a whole lot out of the playbook especially you know the Bears play an NFC North opponent right out of the shoot they got to go to go to Lambo to play Green Bay arguably the front runner in this division going into the season so I think it's important. To not give away too much of the playbook, but you do have to work on these concepts in game action. So we're going to see flashes of these offensive concepts start to spill over. That's actually something that we're going to try to maybe feature a little bit over the course of the next couple of games when we'll see more of the starters uh, on offense. Uh, I think we're going to try to sprinkle in some information, and Jim Miller obviously will do a really good job of kind of explaining what the Bears are are hoping to do eventually as the season wears on.
5: It's got to be a huge difference, though, preparing for a preseason game, especially a game where you know the starters are going to be out there for a series or two. Sure. Did you do more work on the second and third string guys, knowing that they'd probably be out there more? Did you do more Tyler Bray work or, <laughs> or more Chase Daniel work or you know, stuff like that because you knew they were going to be out there? Or did you just... you? preseason games you just take it as basically we're just talking about the team and there's a game going out of the background.
1: No, I I think I think there is a little bit more game calling than than people might expect. Okay. There there's definitely more of an emphasis on storylines and and discussion in the second half. Mm -hmm. You know, especially when you've already gotten a look at those second and third string guys and they're gonna be out there for the fourth quarter. You do want to advance the conversation eventually, but uh, you still have to call the game because a lot of these guys are going to be impact players in some way. Right. You still have to fill this roster out, so these are players that are going to be battling for let's let's call it twenty roster spots. I'm not saying that concretely, but mm-hmm. let's say it's it's twenty roster spots, and it's you know forty fifty guys battling for those twenty roster spots. So I think it's important to to at least give those guys their due and figure out what this team might look like conceptually. Maybe it's not the personnel that's in there, but what are they going to be doing conceptually on offense and defense? Seems like
6: everything's been positive for the most part for this team in the offseason and heading into uh, all the preseason games, except for Roquan Smith in that situation. What's the latest? What do you think uh, will happen? Who do you think looks worse in this situation? All the questions are going through my head about Roquan Smith and the Chicago Bears in this holdout right now.
1: Yeah, I think it's, uh, it's, it's frustrating, and I understand a fan's frustration with it because when you take the number eight pick to take a defensive player not something that the bears have traditionally done although leonard floyd was a was a high uh, draft pick a couple years back as well on the defensive side of the ball there's still there's going to be frustration when you have a talented player and 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 especially watching the other night when you had some deficiencies in the rushing defense because of interior tackling danny trevathan ended up not playing didn't suit up so, you know, we thought we might see Danny Trevathan ended up not playing and all of a sudden here's the second worst rushing offense from a season ago in the NFL, carving through the defense a little bit. And obviously they made adjustments and got back to to a decent level of of stopping the run, but there are issues. And that's probably the thing that stuck out the most just watching this team the other night. Without Roquan Smith, you really want to have him in there. And you know, Ryan Pace said it the other night, there's really no advancement. Uh, who looks worse in this situation? Uh, again i've only seen it from one side yeah but i do agree that you know the his representatives roquan smith's representatives don't come off looking great in this especially if you're let's say you're a junior in college right now who's who's a high level defensive player and now this is something that pops up not to say that there isn't a precedent for this already but say you see that and go well do i really want to represent be represented by this agency or whatever it may be i want to go play you know i want to get on the field so i think uh Again, saying it from a somewhat biased perspective, I think uh, the, his representatives don't come out looking great.
6: Yeah, right. And, and the whole situation is also... It, it's disappointing because I think if we all said uh, then after draft night, he probably could win rookie of the year, right, for defensive player yeah, rookie of sure. the year. Uh, so, like, you kind of in your head just slot him in as, all right, this guy's going to be a stud from day one, and this defense should really... Advance another step ahead mm-hmm. towards being an elite defense because of Roquan Smith being so good, everything we saw at Georgia. Mm-hmm. And you know, it, it's just disappointing that it's starting to drag a little too far now. yeah Like, I get the holdout situation. I understand why he's doing it, why the agent's doing it. I get everything. But from a Bears perspective, you need to win some games. And they got to win early. I mean, the schedule is not easy at the it's
1: one of the tougher schedules yeah in the right NFL. so it's like you gotta get some there. wins
5: early and he's going to have to be a part of that at the start of the season well you know, also you hate to you know it's getting to the point now where he may not be ready for the opener
7: and that and that's what and i'm leaning towards is,
5: is the first month of you the want season him there for the you want him there right. opening
7: night and this defense can be great but what they do lack especially with roquan out is depth There's not a lot of depth on this defense whatsoever, and I don't know, besides Akeem Hicks and maybe Leonard Floyd, how they're going to get to the quarterback. So for you, Adam, how good can this defense be, given their lack of depth? Everybody made a huge deal about Vic Fangio coming back and being one with this defense, and they're he's going to kind of be able to do his own thing. Matt Nagy's going to leave him alone and let him do his own thing with the defense. How good can they be? I think they can be really good. They were a top-ten defense last year, uh, in
1: terms of scoring defense, first time since 2012, so the system that was in place was really good. Now, what worries me, like you said, they had 42 sacks last year. That was top seven in the NFL. It's not like this was a team. I heard Chris Collinsworth say it on the Hall of Fame game. It's like, you know, they, they have questions about getting to the quarterback, and I agree, they do, because you lose Lamar Houston, Pernell McPhee, these are guys that could get to the QB, but if you have Roquan Smith in there, uh, I think with Leonard Floyd playing really well off the edge, assuming you're staying healthy, uh, I think if you have a combination of linebackers with a healthy, hopefully, Danny Trevathan uh, sooner rather than later, I think this is going to be a really good defense once again. It should be a really good defense once again. Uh, especially in the AFC North, there's still some questions about offensive line play. Green Bay, which has had a bunch of injuries last couple of years. Minnesota's had to patchwork it up until last season. So there are some questions on offensive lines. If you can get to the QB, I think this can be again, a really good, if not better defense than it was a season ago.
5: You know, you look at the quarterback, and that's what everybody looks at for the Bears. And then you look at Mitchell Trubisky, and everybody wants him to perform. We've been talking. We looked at the other four quarterbacks. That obviously, you know, Sam Darnold, and you, you got uh, Josh Allen, and what they've done in their in their first games. And I don't want to ask a question about the importance of the quarterback, but um, it, it's almost like learning the system. Who's this on? Is it on Mitchell Trubisky or is it on Matt Nagy? Because Trubisky can only do what Matt, Matt Nagy does gives him and I know this is a weird question the way I'm asking it but how good can he be with the system that Matt Nagy is going to be bringing in?
1: I think the concepts that Mitch Trubisky ran when he was at North Carolina, he played mm-hmm. for Larry Fedoro is considered to be one of the better offensive minds in college football and a guy who ran a lot of different concepts so whether it is spread, option, stuff uh, cause Mitch Trubisky was a really good running quarterback and obviously he shows mobility when it's maybe not as necessary. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't need to do it as often in the NFL. It's really more based on what you can do in the pocket, but his mobility is very important and, you know, there are a lot of successful mobile quarterbacks in this league. Uh, whether it's RPO stuff, when he was running some mesh point stuff at North Carolina, uh, they, they threw the deep ball a decent amount. He had some really good wide receivers, uh, Ryan Switzer uh bug howard mac Hollins, who was one of the better deep ball threats in college football so he had a, a pretty good reputation as a deep ball thrower so some of the concepts that i think matt nagy eventually wants to implement and run on a more consistent basis i think mitch trubisky has at least played in an offense that shows he's got the skill set to be successful in an offense like well, that
5: when we brought up the four quarterbacks earlier yeah. i think the things that you guys were both letting me know except maybe for josh allen is yeah. that the other guys were all successful and showed it to you in college, sure. where Trubisky with 13 games really didn't have the opportunity to show a whole lot. Now you, obviously you, you've, you just broke down a bunch, so you saw, you saw enough of him and, and broke down what he did at North Carolina, but it's like people see what Darnell can do and what Baker Mayfield does, and we sit there and we'll watch hard knocks and go, damn, this guy's pretty good and he's got an attitude and things like this. We don't, it seems like Bears fans, even though Trubisky's starting his second year, we don't know him. Cause he played, didn't have much of an offense. They didn't try anything. Right. And after the game the other day, Matt Nagy said, and I thought it was very interesting that he said it. He says, if you play the check down game, you're going to make defenses so much better. And that's what the Bears did all year last year because they had no
1: receivers. Yeah. The, the separation was the biggest problem last year. I think, you know, Jim Miller had talked about it too. Bears struggled last year a little bit against man coverage because they didn't have the talent at wide receiver to be able to find guys that can find space, get into open spots. Cause Mitch Trubisky, he's an accurate, uh, he's got a, a really accurate arm when he's at his best. And I know most quarterbacks at their best are fairly accurate at this level, but I really feel like if you just get some separation from defensive backs, he can fit the ball into windows that I think people don't really realize he can fit balls into right now. He is, we didn't see enough last year. 12 starts is a good sample size, but it's in a completely different offense. It is a lot of check down game. I think there's a lot of potential. The Allen Robinson signing, I'm hoping we'll get a chance to see him on Saturday. Uh, he looked really good in camp at various points. Explosive receiver. If he can get back to where he was in Pro Bowl season 2015, uh, I really like the receiving core. You haven't seen much from Anthony Miller. He's still learning the offense as well. I think he's going to be a really productive receiver in this
7: league. I think the difference is, I've, seen, and you do a lot of college football as well. We've seen Baker Mayfield go out and win games. Sure. We've seen Sam Darnold go out and win games. For, for a, a year, Trubisky couldn't even win a job. Abdallah, did you not
6: see the Sun Bowl against Stanford? Um, or was Ryan Pace the only one that saw that game? He was the only one that saw he that, was that game. I was, was, watching,
7: I was watching Solomon Thomas uh, during that <laughs> game, uh, hoping that they would take him. Uh, but my, I guess that's my biggest concern with Trubisky is even last year when he did start for the Bears, I've never seen him Put a team on his back and say, I'm going to march down this field and win a game. And I know it's lack of play calling and it's lack of, of talent at, at wide receiver, but I've just, but good quarterbacks know what to do even when you don't have talent around you. And we've seen Mayfield do that and we've seen Darnold do that. We've seen other guys in the league do that. And I just haven't seen that from him, well, and that's what that's what worries me about and
6: Trubisky. It also all goes back to Jimmy Garoppolo because nothing has popped the way like him showing up to a team towards the end of a season, right. and all of a sudden, boom! That's yeah. a starting quarterback, and lo- oh, he makes all the throws. He's got the team under control. He's making mo- He's making all the adjustments. And it's like he just learned that offense in how much time. Like, really? Like what? They had like a three week ramp up yeah, for he's like a bad team and made them look really good. Yeah, yeah right, right. right. And, 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 and now everyone's the, like, like that 49ers season. team is the team I'm going to pick to get yeah. to the playoffs this year. So, like, it's I get what Abdallah's saying. And I think the thing that we keep pointing out is we've seen the other guys kind of prove it on a lesser level at college. And we haven't really seen Trubisky prove it.
1: That he could be the guy. Right. The franchise saving quarterback. Yeah. There's a, there's, there's still not a deep enough sample size yeah. between his, what is it? 25 regular season starts between college yeah. and the NFL so far. So I get that's, that's not a great sample size for a team that, that was kind of middling in 2016 when he was at North Carolina. They had lost a bunch of players from the year before a team that went to the ACC championship game that year against Clemson. Uh, and eventually lost. That's that's a team that lost a bunch in 2016. So I get it. We haven't seen it in a game. We, they, he hasn't led a game winning drive against Virginia Tech or done a done a great job against Clemson in a game. But I like get that. The, so that's we don't stuff have we should si- be seeing, right? Now, I don't not, not necessarily in a, in a one year sample size. You're basing a lot off potential. Yeah. I, I I freely admit that. I've said that since Mitch Trubisky got drafted. I thought the Bears were looking more at his upside sure. and potential than they were saying, "Oh well, I." He was so consistent, like Sam Darnold, for two seasons. Even though Sam had some ups and downs yeah. last year, and that what did that have to do with? Sam Darnold had a much better freshman year than sophomore year, and a lot of that had to do with the talent at wide receiver that diminished at USC from his freshman to sophomore year. So,
6: sophomore year, also the
1: offensive line, was offensive not line had a bunch of injuries year. last season for USC. So we're we're giving Sam Darnold a lot of credit too for being a really young guy and playing at a high level at a high level conference uh for for a storied franchise, but. The sample sizes aren't that much different. So there's a lot of hype for Sam Darnold. And there should be, by the way, because I think he's talented enough to be a great QB in this league. Same thing for Baker Mayfield. I think he's talented enough. To carry a team eventually in his NFL career, but the sample sizes aren't that much different from what we're praising Sam Darnold and Baker Mayfield for compared to what we're kind of criticizing Mitch, Mitch Trubisky for.
5: What does your schedule look like? Do you do you have someone that contacts you on a monthly basis? and Says here's what you're gonna do, or do you know like months down what you're gonna do? You know which college games you're gonna be doing? I thought you were gonna you, ask if he wanted to go to lunch. And <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> that,
4: that schedule. Like,
6: yesterday
7: he was telling us about just this coming week, <laughs> and I was like you telling me about that Your has made me tired spin. like it's insane
1: it's it's a fun week we're going to bristol on monday uh we're, we're getting the uh, fantasy football marathon going on monday All night right, so yes. which is which it's the third time we're doing it. it's really fun i had a blast working on it last year and i hope we have some fun to, uh, fun this year too i'm hosting i think it's 11 a.m to 2 a.m or 11 p.m to 2 a.m on uh, monday night okay and then uh like 6 to 10 on tuesday night and then Wednesday, we go to Philadelphia. I've got Red Sox-Phillies uh, next Wednesday on ESPN Radio. Come back home, then head to uh, Denver for uh, the Bears' second preseason game, and then go to L.A. for a couple days to do Dodgers-Cardinals ne- the week after. So you're more
5: weekly as opposed to <laughs> monthly. Pretty,
1: I mean, So you don't know <laughs> which college games you're, you're going you're to be doing. We only have our first two uh, okay. so far. Uh BYU at Arizona is uh, opening night for us. We're the last game of the day on ESPN. Uh, so we'll see Kevin Sumlin coming over, from, uh, coming over from coming over. So many, so much chasing once you get to 945 Central Time Kickoff's. Uh, a very, very, very specific fan is watching that game. But uh, BYU at Arizona, we'll see Khalil Tate at quarterback. He's a uh, very exciting potential Heisman contender playing for Kevin Sumlin, who's been the coach at Texas A&M for the last several years, now coming over to the Pac-12 and then a week two George, sneaky good game on abc georgia tech and south florida south florida 10 win team last season georgia tech runs the triple option uh interesting style battle in that one have you guys had the talk yet
5: um as a play by play guy about
1: uh legalized gambling and what you can and can't talk about we it doesn't change as a play by play guy it doesn't change because the game is still up front i think it will change a little bit how much more emphasis is on it in the studio Mm -hmm. uh i think that'll but but that's you watch college game day we got the bear chris felica does that he does a great job of breaking down odds he does his picks they show the spreads of every game uh when they're discussing games they don't maybe outwardly discuss it but they show the spread so i don't think it's going to change all that much okay Uh, the information is going to be there uh in the right places it's not really going to change for us on game coverage they got
5: nothing else to say to you. I guess they talked you out of it.
1: Yeah, mean, more,
5: more time. time. We time. already filled yeah, our quota uh, for Fred yeah. time. Yeah,
7: who's your? Uh, <laughs> give me your final four. For for, for college, college football, right now, yeah. uh,
1: Clemson. Alabama again. I think Penn State's got a shot and I think Washington.
7: Ooh, Penn State. I, yeah, I mean
1: shot I, I could the give East. them the question
6: I gave him last night at the bar. Uh, so Adam Amin, if you had five minutes to do stand up, <laughs> uh, what what would your outlined concept be to to give to the audience? Do you want to give you, do you want to give yours first after? after well after yeah, I, I could. Yeah, that's, that's, I, that's, I I that's I could if you guys podcast want uh, story. Uh, uh, that's that's a story. That's very uh, much a podcast
1: story. <laughs>
6: wait, wait. We avoided disaster Fred, a couple weeks ago on, our, <laughs> on the highway
5: Well, we stopping in an alley. We, oh, good Lord. Oh. We talked about this a couple weeks ago. It so Chris ready. is really, you know, you're really into this whole stand-up thing because we talked oh, yeah. about doing it for charity. Sure. And everybody on the station should do like a five-minute thing. Five yeah. I,
1: I would come see that. Yeah. yeah. Wouldn't would you? Like
6: that. if everyone had five minutes.
1: Yeah. Just, just feel could you, five minutes. Could you have, a, do you have a bit or two that you could, you could do? And, and it's not necessarily like, here, go out there. Right. Like, hey, yeah. we got a show tonight oh, get, at seven right. o'clock. You got five, six hours to prepare. Yeah. Can you, can you muscle out fi- like five solid minutes? I think everybody that sits behind a microphone
5: yeah. thinks they can they, do it. A hundred
1: percent. Everybody right. thinks they can. We
5: all think we can do yeah. it. And then we get up there in the, in the 30, 30 seconds or 45 <laughs> seconds in when no one's laughed. And then you say,
1: okay, now I'm stuck.
5: That first nothing.
7: joke doesn't hit and you're right. like, <laughs> Oh no, that was my, that was Listen, my nothing, break the ice one.
1: Nothing feels worse than swinging and missing when oh. you're up there on stage <laughs> doing, doing, that. I mean, I, I yeah. feel. For stand-up comedy, I will never insult anybody who tries stand-up comedy and is bad at it because you know that is not an easy thing to do.
6: Is that the hardest thing to do in all of media, showbiz, anything? Stand-up. You, you, you listen Boy. to
1: Seinfeld talk about it, like right. you know Seinfeld and Chris Rock and the, all these guys that are philosophical about it and think about it at a very high, nuanced level. They will tell you that it's the toughest thing in entertainment to I do. I think
7: it has to be the hardest because we can we can talk about sports and break down a game, right. and sure. we don't have to be. Funny. We just have to break down a game and be somewhat entertaining it's, while it's, doing it's that. A, it's a specific but, thing that you have to give an audience yeah, as a and, stand-up comic. And people's sense of humor its almost like trying to cook food for someone. I don't know what you like to eat, and I don't know your t- what your taste is. Yeah. The same with comedy. I don't know what your taste in comedy is. As a put, like I find certain comedians funny, and I find certain comedians unfunny. Right. Yeah. Because I have a certain sense of humor, whereas other people really enjoy those comedians that I don't like. So I don't know. You have to know your audience you have to know so just to say I can do five minutes for any audience is extremely hard
1: yeah very difficult yeah. I mean I, I love listening to those guys like when they do breakdowns of comedy like I love yeah. comedians in cars getting coffee yeah, exactly. when when they, when they talk to John Mullaney or, or Neil Brennan and you hear how these guys uh, how, the, like somebody like Amy Schumer how how her head is going from place to place to place it's just an interesting way well and, to and think there's about also things.
6: something um, it, it, it's Inspiring because they can't. You can't just show up and do it, right? No, like that, they gotta be they well put in
1: the work to then get mm-hmm. to that point. It's like, crafting sentences and and a, an adjustment of a word from here to here. Suddenly the laugh gets bigger because the timing's different and right. it hits somebody sitting in the crowd differently. And the that's timings, what those guys. That's the what timings, those, everything. It's one of really the coolest coolest things
7: it. I got to see is when. Bef- I mean, Amy Schumer was pretty famous. It was before her movies started coming out. She was doing a week's worth of shows at some tiny theater right. up on you texted the north me, side. you texted me when she was and in town. I went to the first one and the last one, and she was workshopping stuff. Yep. So she basically just had a notebook and was trying out jokes yeah. for the first one, and by the end of the week had crafted... 45 minutes worth of material to then go on tour and do and she basically went from an hour and a half and got it to a solid 45 and to see the first one and the last one and how she came up with it was it was crazy it was I, I, it was great to see if you're gonna go on a comedy tour like go see a, a comedian that you like mm-hmm.
1: hope that your show comes towards the end yeah because right. Right? you want to be able to see like yeah. the really well-crafted stuff but it's really fun if you see something early and then something late and see how it changes. Cause
7: stuff wouldn't hit. Like she would make a joke and she'd go on a story and she was like, well, that one went on too long. And like, she's right. writing notes and making mental it's, notes it's to like herself. Metal. Like they, yeah. they say, hey,
1: I'm up here workshopping. Like Neil Brennan, I went to go see him a couple of months back when he was in town and it was awesome. And there were a lot of jokes that did not land. Neil Brennan, for those of you who don't know, he was mm-hmm. the director and one of the main writers on Chappelle Show. Mm-hmm. He's like Dave Chappelle's partner, like writing partner. So, uh, to listen to him workshop jokes, and I love him as a comic, but I'm not He also laughing. wrote uh, Half-Baked with Dave yeah, Chappelle. Yeah, too, he right? Half-baked yeah, Half-Baked in like yeah. a week, so well, I'm, not, I'm not necessarily laughing at everything, but the stuff that's landing, he goes, all right, I'm going to work on that. Before we turn the mics on, we were talking about Mitch Hedberg
5: and seeing him and things like yeah, that, and, Yeah, and there are so, uh, some scenes he starts off the show by saying, "This I'm recording this because this is going to be on my CD, and then he three or four jokes in, he says, well, that joke will not be on the CD. <laughs> well, obviously it was, yeah. but it's funny because that's exactly the way they do it. They, yeah. they work it out and, you know, as it turned out, that one was on the CD and it made it even more funny. Uh, we appreciate you coming in. Yeah, man, we know absolutely. you had a long night with these two guys
1: last night. Uh, they're the worst. <laughs> but, by are. the way, yeah. like, I wasn't like... Ditching you guys to go hang out with John Butchergross? I, I meant to say
7: Boog. Boog, Sean <laughs> Still, Because, because he would drop, never leave you for Butchergross. The name drop was still there. You still said Boog's in town, and I have to go hang out with him. Remember when you saw, saw me trip? And he's had a long night. We were up hosting at 8 o'clock this morning. <laughs> oh, he's true. been asleep till till 10.30 when he had to show up here. Well, well, he, he could have been,
5: been, or he could have been studying up on the Denver Broncos.
1: I did my Bears prep. I was, a was some, I was watching some Vikings Broncos. We were studying last night, Fred. Chad Kelly looked Good, Chad Kelly out of Clemson. Jim <laughs> Kelly's nephew. Look good. Yeah, I saw when he first came in. They talked about all the all
5: the things he's gone through and everything else. And then that then I saw him from Clemson. Yeah, a and rocky
1: and... rocky way to get to the NFL. I think he was Mister Irrelevant. He was the last pick of the uh, twenty seventeen draft. But he yeah. uh, looked sharp as third stringer last night.
5: Oh we appreciate you jumping on, and no we we can't wait to hear the next game. And uh, hopefully, it'll be more exciting stuff to talk about with the Bears and and their offense. We see Mitchell Trubisky. We I I still. I didn't go to Bourbonnais, so I still do not believe that the Bears have Allen Robinson because I have not seen him. I know they said he was on the sideline the other day. I missed that part when they showed yep. him, so I'm waiting to see him actually get on the field and catch a pass.
1: He, we talked to him, actually, on uh, on on the Wednesday before the game last week, and he was so pumped. He was like, I can't wait. It was just great to put a uniform on. I'm I'm still to play, okay. Was well, that <laughs> Halloween?
5: I'd like to see him go out and get, <laughs> catch
1: a ball now. That'd be nice.
5: Adam and me, nice enough to join us. Uh, Chris Black, Adam Abdallah, Fred Huebner, We come back. Are we still going to be talking to Nick? Yeah, why not? the summer of Nick.
7: I want to find out how the playpen was. He was here earlier,
5: so we'll talk with him when I we come back. He was covering
6: Bears practice.
5: No, eh, we'll find out. Well, we'll the find team. out exactly what he's what he's been doing right here on ESPN One Thousand.
0: Great drums, please.
9: This is Chicago's game day. I've made it a point to go try and see all the festivals that I've been missing in Chicago.
1: Oh, yeah, dude, it's summer. That
7: means we got to buy fireworks.
9: There's always something going on. I think I may go hit the Old yeah. Town, is it the Star Art Fest? Fair, yeah. Street Fair. There's, there's got to be something going on every day. All right,
3: everybody in the pool.
9: <laughs>
0: <laughs> this is Chicago's Game Day, only on ESPN 1000 and ESPNChicago.com.
5: On cruise and Welcome back, back in. Time.
0: Chris Black, Adam
5: Abdallah, Fred Huebner was nice talking with Adam Mean for the last half hour. He will be doing the Bears-Broncos game next Saturday as uh, the Bears are actually going to Denver this week to get some work in. And they'll probably get more work done in those games, in those couple days of practice, actually, than they will in the game. But hopefully we get to see a little bit more of Mitchell Trubisky, the first-team offense, and a first-team defense, which still doesn't have Roquan Smith.
6: Yeah, it was a great conversation with Adam Amin. One of the best. But, Fred, now we get to talk with the best. Do you see why I did that? that? what? Well, Nick Ferdell, one of our best friends.
3: Oh, okay.
5: I wasn't sure. Well, I, I mean, uh, so, so usually is, he yells Adam at me is, for being negative. But, but so Adam is one of your best friends, and now we get to talk to another one of your best yeah, friends. Yeah, sure That's no. what we
9: do. We just put on See, our... yeah, Nick, yeah, Nick I just
5: think they're buttering you up, Nick. There's there's going to be something coming soon.
9: Freddie, this is like when you ride Splash Mountain to Disney. You you ride to the top. And you're like, yeah, all right. Here we go. Here we go. At the bottom, this comes out. <laughs> I just drove by y'all. Meanwhile, like... Thirty minutes ago, because I'm, I'm driving a bourbon A, and I get to the rental car dealership right you down have the street. A car. And they're like, they're like, we have two choices for you, and and I'm like, okay. They're like a pickup truck. Yes. <laughs> yes. All right. Or a Mini Cooper. (laughs) And so I just drove by in a massive blue pickup truck. And you guys were so locked in on your man crush, Mr. Amin. (laughs) I thought you were lucky to me, but no, he just (laughs) told a funny joke. And Adam just kept rolling. And so here I am in some parking lot off like Burr Ridge Avenue or something now. But I was trying to show you all my massive blue pickup truck, and nobody looked up. And I was sad.
6: Pardon the expression.
5: Yeah. yeah. Oh, you know what? I think we're all upset, right. a little upset okay. that we didn't see in the I, because <laughs> driving down to Bourbon a, you won't be the only guy down in Bourbon a with a pickup truck, I'm pretty sure.
9: No, no, no. It'll be great. Yeah. It'll be great. This is like when I used to drive a little brother's truck in college. I thought I was the man, but uh you know. So all good. Everybody uh everybody's rolling and, and a happy early birthday to our pal Sarah Spain. I went out to uh to her birthday which was last night it was a saturday night live themed party guys we started at the the museum of uh of broadcasting right down the street there it was a saturday night live exhibit and then we rolled over and we went to the cheeseburger cheeseburger place the billy goat uh and then we ended up on a boat but the boat was like 45 minutes late and there was I'm too pleased about that but uh hey I didn't get seasick and and that's a positive and we had a good night
6: okay next so uh yesterday in A, today in A, the final days for the Bears in training camp uh, down there at Alvet Nazarene what are the major storylines you're looking uh, forward to covering today
9: well the, the key to me Chris is you're you're trying to see as much as you can what is the offense doing and is it finding a rhythm I was just listening to all with Adam. Uh, and I thought he laid it out well. You know, you'd like to have seen more from them in Cincinnati, but uh, this is their chance now. This is their, the last real kind of open practice that, at the moment as far as anything down here. Uh, and although it is closed to the public, uh, anybody's trying to get to one last peek, but then they go out to Denver for a few days. And when you start practicing and scrimmaging against uh, another team, uh, that that's going to show everything real fast uh, as to what the flaws are. And I think there are there are a lot of rhythm questions, not issues yet, but questions as far as uh, what is Trubisky picking up off Nagy's system? Does he have the right weapons around him? And will he, once uh, the guys like Jordan Howard uh, and Robinson and, and the newer weapons start to play more, uh, I mean, as far as the practices go, though, you guys know, and I just got a taste of it earlier in the week, you're not going to see much out of these practices. There's not much hitting going on anymore in the new collective bargaining agreement. So, uh, you know, you just want to make sure that uh, everybody's trying to to find that rhythm and catch that rhythm heading into uh, the next couple weeks of uh, preseason. As we know, the second game's a little more important and the third one is that dress rehearsal uh, that gets you right for, for week one of the regular season.
7: I'm interested to see how you view these practices as someone who watches a lot of NBA practices. So when Mitchell Trubisky throws a pick, we're like, oh, bad play by Mitchell Trubisky. But he's throwing it to the Bears' defense. So at the same time, it's like, oh... Well Eddie Jackson had an interception this is, was this was a great play by the defense as someone who's watched a lot of NBA practices, how does it compare to oh this guy just got blocked but he got blocked by one of his own by another bull or whatever so it's a good defensive play like how do you compare those two?
9: Yeah I mean Adam I think the, the difference is there are NBA practices all the time uh, and, and certainly in the Tibbs era <laughs> we weren't able to watch too much anything except them shooting free throws at the end. But, uh, you know, you caught a good read in, uh, in talking to assistant coaches and some of the players about what they like to, to do during that time. And, uh, you know, with football, everything's more out in the open, certainly in these training camp uh, venues. I mean, I'd say that from the defense up to this point, from the brief snippets that I've seen, has looked pretty solid. But, again, like, to, to the question, I think five or six years ago, you would have been able to see a lot more. You would have uh, had a, a more formed opinion about uh, what was going on in these first couple weeks of camp. Now, uh, you got a lot of one-on-one drills. Uh, you got a lot of uh, kind of walk-through stuff, uh, certainly in the days leading up to the game. You just aren't able to see as much. I mean, I, I'd like to think that uh, the defense is a step ahead. Uh, of where the offense is, and that's understandable given that four is uh, more in place and everybody's trying to pick up what Nagy's trying to to set up for the future. But, uh, you know, as far as the NBA and the NFL go, the the big takeaway for me early on is just the access or lack thereof in the NFL, and this is more from a media perspective, but you're trying to talk to certain players and some guys are available and some guys aren't, and every time anybody talks, it seems like there's a PR person right around the corner waiting to see what they're going to say. So uh, in that regard, I know it's not just the Bears. It's the NFL on the whole, and the NFL is very, very cautious about how their players and their coaches are delivering messages
7: uh, i'll pull back the uh, the curtain if you will yesterday nick called me and said he was surprised that there wasn't open availability and only two players were going to be available and yeah. we go, open availability do you know what sport you're covering yeah oh like this is the nfl <laughs> there is no such thing as open availability no it doesn't happen
9: well it was crazy because i not only was i laughing when adam and i were talking about it because usually after a uh, uh, you know, let's say a Bulls practice, you request a certain player and either they come over to the group or, or they come talk to you for a couple minutes. And last night, uh, the Bears had a uh, an open practice uh, in uh, the Olivet Nazarene Stadium. And so what they decided to do was have two players speak before the practice and then Nagy speak after the practice. And with the amount of media, uh, media guys that are around here all the time, it is crazy. And I understand why you want to be cautious, but like <laughs> the NBA. I mean, I was in, I was in Golden State a couple months ago. I'm like, hey, can I talk to Durant today? They're like, yeah, he comes over, he talks to me for 15 minutes. We have a nice conversation. Uh, today, I, I was, I, I put in a request to talk to like Anthony Miller. They're like, no, he's not available today. Uh, sorry, but uh, Robinson maybe uh, talking afterwards. I'm going, huh? Yeah. <laughs> like, what, what's happening here? So, I understand as I've been saying all week. I understand why J.D. and and the reporters who are on the Bears beat uh, all the time I understand why they're in a bad mood because there's not a whole lot of action uh, within this group, uh, and I think a lot of that, again, it's not on the Bears. That's how the NFL operates uh, most of the time, and I'm, I'm just catching a glimpse of that. Nick, can
6: you uh, send us a picture of your big blue truck uh, via Twitter at some point? <laughs>
9: No. Like when i get when i get part safely, and I'll live Nazarene. okay will, uh, I'll send one out to, it, to everybody.
5: Nick, okay. as we let you go, you are a multi-talent and multi-sports guy. You've got Cubs season tickets. You you follow basketball. You're following the Bears. My question for you is, Bavada came out the other day and said 28 and a half wins for the Bears or the
4: Bulls. <laughs> that was uh, third,
5: third fewest in the NBA tied with Phoenix. Only Atlanta and Sacramento did they have with fewer victories. Your thoughts on 28 and a half for the uh, Bulls over-under?
9: Oh, Freddie. Okay. Uh, Mr. Abdallah knows on on the Waddle and Sylvie show, there is the like it, love it, steer clear of it segment. If I am uh, attempting to look at this in a a reasonable fashion, this is my steer clear of it completely. And this is the point I keep making. Everybody understands that when the season starts, of course the Bulls want to win. They want to prove to everybody uh, people like me who are doubting them, they're better than what they think, and they can get rolling early. But if they don't win, there's a. There, Chris and I were going through this the other night at the top of their schedule after that Philly game in the opener. There are a bunch of winnable games against mediocre or less than that teams. If they don't win in those first couple weeks, this thing is going to go downhill quickly because this team isn't going to play any defense. So my point is, if you lose early and then you hit the, the real tough parts of the schedule and you lose a bunch, Fred Hoiberg will be gone. And then you're going to have a team that's going to get into like January or February and they're going to say, what is the point of us trying to win games? Let's tank again oh, no. and see if we can get a higher pick. Yeah, oh, no. I think the whole thing could shift. And everybody's so hyped up, twenty seven and a half, twenty eight and a half. oh, easy money, easy money. My point isn't that they can't go over is they have talent on the team if they take another step. The guys like Levine and Dunn and Jabari. But if they don't win early, that thing is going to turn the other way, and then you're going to go, uh-oh, this is a tanking team again. Uh, And I think they're going to do a much better job tanking if that's the decision they decide to go later in the year because there's no Nico to get hot and rolling. So uh, it's not that I I don't think they can go over. I would steer completely clear of that particular bet because guys – when is Vegas ever that far off? It just doesn't happen that much.
5: Uh, Nick, have a safe trip down to Bourbon I would have taken the Mini Cooper. We'll talk to you soon. <laughs>
9: <laughs> All right. Guys. See you, Freddie.
5: <laughs> Nick Friedel on his way down there. If you see a guy in a big blue pickup, it's Nick Friedel. Get out of the way. He's got things to do. It's Black Abdallah Hubner, and uh Abdallah's comfortable as his team is winning 2-0. It looks like it's... You know, Fred, it's oh, been a sure.
6: good weekend of uh, opening matches in the Premier League. And you're right. Uh, it looks like Arsenal is going to lose 2 nothing to uh, Man City and uh, Abdallah's favorite team. Uh, once again, big surprise, Abdallah front-running on a uh, <laughs> team for his favorite. This is the
7: uh, Manchester United fan. Uh, yeah, yeah, no, They've
6: yeah, gone right? hard times. Yeah. They haven't been very good since 2012-13. Uh, they're
7: still so. a top-four team. Eh, if you're well. a top-four... If you're access, a fan of any top four excellence. team, you're a front runner. Yeah, we expect excellence. Yeah, Chevy.
5: We drive hard. excellence. It's Black and hubner Anywhere except our show here on ESPN 1000.
0: This is Chicago's game day only on ESPN 1000 and ESPNChicago.com.
5: Ah, uh, thanks to, uh, Jesse Rogers, Mike Tanera, Bleacher Report, Jessica Mendoza, who will be on the call along with Matt Vasgersian, and also Alex Rodriguez will wait eagerly to see, uh, how they approach the, uh, U situation. Adam Amin, nice enough to join us along with Nick Friedel, heading on down to Bourbon A in a big blue pickup truck. I can't uh, wait to see that. Yeah, now. me too. <laughs> Felix Reyes and Eric Ostrowski, all their help as always. <laughs> And you guys have brunch plans, so yeah, you want to come, Fred? No, I, I got to go home. A little I, uh, boozy brunch slept. with the, the boys. Are you going straight home, or
7: like you hitting three breweries on the
5: I way? Hit, I hit Crafted nineteen or nineteen seventy nine yesterday, and had uh some orange blazer milkshake from Hop Butcher, so and it was good. amazing, unbelievable. Today, no, I well, I did buy four cans too, okay. so I guess I can have them <laughs> when I get home. Thanks for listening, right here on ESPN one thousand. See ya.